This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show. Uh, it is Friday. It's not 7.30. We're a bit late tonight for various annoying reasons, but there you go. Uh, now, I'm Stanford Chidge, of course. Very much looking forward to this. We've missed you uh, during the international break. Uh, and, of course, I have with me my uh, uh, aide-de-camp, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. But does that mean I'm a bit camp? You're a, you're a camp aide, yeah. Aide-de-camp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Batman. Uh, I'm your Robin to your Batman. Is that right? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your... Um... Aide de Comp's quite a serious military title. Yes, yes. I think, well, they were very helpful, weren't they, to uh, yeah. to, uh, to leaders, weren't they? they, they were. And they were normally... My dad played a few of those. There we go. See? They were lots, lots of them like that, weren't they? Hello, so can I help you? So, perfect yeah. description, as always. Challenged, but actually on reflection, perfect. <laughs> do you want me to tell you who we've got on nah let's not bother nah sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we've got a super sub tonight haven't we yeah 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 who uh last minute last minute revealed himself if you'll pardon the expression and um and and there he was and it is of course the uh the brain of Stamford bridge is of course the the marvelous uh chairperson of the of the trust um uh, the excellent the and i have to say everybody this a lovely lovely man yeah it is of course mr mark Meehan. indeed good evening jk good evening chidge good evening good people of mixler i'm probably no longer the brain of stanford bridge no, after I'm, my... I'm glad you said that i was about to come <laughs> out with it <laughs> after after uh, being deposed last week by the new brain of Stamford Bridge, Mr. David Chidgey and his successful team. <laughs> Although I have to, I have to say, J.K., you will like this because obviously you were, you know, they should have videoed last week for people listening. It was an absolute, as Clayton said, anarchy and riot at the Paul Canada Foundation. <laughs> but I spoke. Chidge doesn't know this. I spoke to the staff and the foundation afterwards, and they apologised, and they just said like. 
really sorry about that, Mark. A, the blue team had to win. But B, your questions were much harder than Chidgey's team's questions. And I said, yeah, you're telling me. Because the first question was, who's won it all? And, like, <laughs> and our question was, which Chelsea player made his debut, um, his sole Chelsea appearance, away at Hathol Tel Aviv? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You got it right. What are you complaining about? I know I, know I got it right. I know I, I, did, I did get it right. But it was a balance between the, 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 the questions. Yeah. Uh, and I think they mixed us up as well. I was meant to be in your team, Chidge, and JK was meant to be in the other guy's team as well. So, <laughs> so I probably should have been on your team, Chidge, but I was happy to be on JK's team. JK was absolutely brilliant last night. Oh, week. you are so lovely. Thank you. No, you, oh, you were. And I got I, I, told I, off. I got told off by a couple of people. Nathan <laughs> told me off. Nathan said, you're very competitive, aren't you? And I, I wanted to say to him, I was just trying to be amusing. I wasn't actually being, trying to be, I was just being silly. You know, <laughs> terrible thing. I'm afraid I was just mucking about, you know, that thing. Sorry. And, and to be fair, to be fair to Mr. C, he's a stand-up comedian. So he is. He, he, was, he, great. He, he was, was great. He was great. He was great. He was fantastic. absolutely fantastic. Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. So, so well done, Chidge. Well, yeah. thank you. And I mean, um, did you get any questions right yourself? I did actually. I got, I got, nice a, one, yeah, nice. I got more right than I expected because we were. I mean, what you don't know, listeners out there. We were all shitting a brick before we went on because wow. it was like on a stage, you know, and, yeah. and, and we thought we're just going to look. I mean, it was not just a Chelsea quiz. It was black history Chelsea quiz. And yeah, I thought, yeah, oh, yeah. my God. We're I think f- one of the answers to everything that everything, every question involved a black yeah, player. Which yeah. Is fair yeah. enough. Except, when, except the question answered, of Kerry, Kerry Dixon. Yeah. yeah, apart from Kerry, which confused the whole thing, didn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hang on a second. But, but just to say to everybody, I, I because we were all very nervous about it, I'm afraid I... The first opportunity I had, I thought I've got to, I've got to make everybody relax a bit about this. So when we were on the red team, I objected to being on the red team because red <laughs> is something that I will never be ever, never be associated with the colour red. And he was very good, Mr. C, very good because he kept saying, "What's this going on? What who's this guy? What's this all about? Come on, come on!" So we agreed that we'd be the reddish team. But even then, I was disappointed. So. Uh, well, we did play red when Dave Sexton was. Well, I said that. No, we also played red when we played Moscow Dynamo. Yeah, there you go. That's true. That's um, true. It was great fun. And actually, the real the real star of the whole thing was the lovely Lisa, who uh, Mrs. Everington, yes. who who absolutely who was our who was our suit. You know, uh, 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 well, I, I mean, you know, we had to. I mean, Rodders and her were added to the teams, but she she got the key questions right. Connor, yeah, who was. Fit. Connor, yeah. who was supposed to be this whiz kid, was about as useful as me, I think, really, you know. <laughs> and I thought, fair play to her. And again, let's, let's see how quickly someone in Mixler can answer it. And Nathan's not in Mixler tonight because he's gone to see a Black Sabbath tribute band. So Nathan won't be able to answer. You see, but, now you talk about Brainiac. Mark yeah. even knows the answer to, like, why certain people who are normally in Mixler are not in Mixler. I mean, what, <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that kind of shit? Yeah, only on this fan cast can you get that kind of nonsense going. Um, but... But basically, people are listening, so like fingers on buzzers or fingers on whatever you want to put your fingers on. Um, which, what was the question? Where did um, Eddie Newton make his debut for Chelsea? At what ground? What Ever in the way. Yeah, but you're not meant to answer it, Chief. We're meant to get the people in Mixman to answer it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not working, is it? It's not working for me, Chidge. It wasn't for you, Chidge. <laughs> I was just so excited to get the opportunity to answer it right this week, having hadn't got a bloody Scooby. Lisa got that right, didn't she? She did, indeed. She did. And the other question was, which player, when he retired, set up a pancake house? I asked Kerry that question. He didn't know. 
Yeah. He was very surprised when I told him. So let's see if anyone in Mixler. Right, are, you, okay. are you looking at Mixler? Yeah. I am. I'm looking at Mixler. For some reason, I've yeah. now got the chat the chat room. Uh, yeah, mm. De- Dean had Goodison Park, but I think he's just trying yeah. to be clever, having heard me say Everton away. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got the chat room back. For some reason, it disappeared the other week. I know not why, but um, I can see you all, which is lovely. We should get on with the show because we've got a big show tonight. Now, we were supposed to have Dane on, and sadly, Dane couldn't do it. Um Talk, I mean, I love Dane to pieces, but actually, serendipitously, not only have we got Mark on the show tonight, it's always lovely to see Mark, but he is also the chairman of the Supporters Trust and the one of the fan advisory boards. And I don't think you could have a better show to have Mark on in terms of what we're going to talk about in terms of Chelsea news. A lot of shit hitting the fan today, let alone this week. Um we're also going to talk about Stamford Bridge. The, the, pick up on some news there because that's been in the news this week. The Stoll announcing absolutely that they've uh, that they have sold it to Chelsea. Uh, and of course, we've got well, we have an opposition view. We do with uh, with I will not tell you who because you will find out later. It's a very long one. I can tell you this because I had to pre-record it, um, but it's long. And uh, and then of course we'll be previewing the the Arsenal game. So there we go. So strap yourselves in. It's going to be. A good one tonight. Now, first of all, Mark, we have to kick off with. Uh, I mean, I, I can't. I, I mean, pers- Well, the, the news is that the Premier League and the broadcasters are plotting to move the Wolves Chelsea game uh, to Christmas Eve, one o'clock kickoff. I cannot personally, Mark, believe I'm seeing this because I was the chairman of the trust the last time these wankers tried this stunt, and. Um, you know, I wrote a furious article in Football.London. We got all of the press uh, galvanised, like Henry Winter, etc., etc. Um, and we also, off the record, got the support of Steve Atkins, who made it very clear it was not the club's desire to do this. And, I mean, I shouldn't really say this on, on, on air, so I, I better not. But I'll, all, I'll, all I'll say was he was incredibly helpful. And, and and we thought, that's it, it's gone. And what happens a mere three, four years later? It rears its ugly head again. Would you like to apprise the people listening what this is all about and then try and tell us what, what we're going to do about it, if anything? Uh, I think this has been sort of fast moving this afternoon and uh, part, probably part of the reason sort of like late coming on. So um, we've already sort of um, been talking to the Football Supporters Association about this. The Football Supporters Association have put out a statement this afternoon. Uh, I've given a quote to them. Uh, the Daily Mail's run an article. Um, we've also put a quote into the Daily Mail. And I imagine for this evening's over tomorrow morning, I think it will ratchet up somewhat. I'm absolutely stunned that they've revisited something, as you quite correctly said, was kicked into touch a number, a number of years ago. Um, by our calculations, I think it's 27 years since a Premier League fixture was played on Christmas Eve. And it does look that these reports are true. The fixtures for December and January for TV were meant to be announced today. But the reason why they've been delayed is precisely this. So it's been held over. I think the fixtures are probably going to be announced Monday. So I think this could be a very busy weekend. We don't know yet the position of Chelsea. We would hope they've been resistant to this and they've been overridden by a combination of the Premier League and the TV companies. Uh, we put a call at the Chelsea, but it was late today. So we've not heard back from them, but I imagine as we've got a home game tomorrow, we'll have some sort of dialogue with the club. It's hard enough at this present moment in time, before I even start talking about coaches, which we've talked about before, for support with sometimes to travel to away fixtures. Yeah. Having that game rearranged on 
Christmas Eve, it's probably isn't the easiest day of the year anyway to travel. It's probably it's probably busy anyway, whatever trains well, are it's running. It's one of the worst travel days of yeah, the year. Yeah, it is, people are like, all going to wherever they're going for Christmas. People are going somewhere. If people are actually going somewhere. And, yeah, if we had time, we could probably do a sort of pastiche of um, plane, trains and automobiles um, with Steve Martin and the late John Candy because you know, it's really difficult for people to travel already on that day because they're going to see family, reunite with loved ones. And they throw a football match in the middle of it. And they're doing us a big favour by... Having it as a one o'clock kickoff. Oh well, thanks, thank, thanks a bunch. How you know how anybody has actually at the Premier League and the TV companies come to this position? And my fear was, I actually thought you know it was going to be us because looking at the Premier League fixtures this morning, there's not many fixtures they could have gone to other than Brighton Crystal Palace. Brighton Crystal Palace is probably a derby fixture they might have actually got away with doing because. You know, Palace to Brighton, you could get there probably about half an hour on the train. Yeah. But everywhere else is travel involved. And away team support has to travel somewhere. So they've decided it will be Chelsea fans that'll have that journey up to Wolverhampton on Christmas Eve. Uh, and that's that's going to impact on people. Yeah, people are going to have to make decisions because they would have probably already made their Christmas plans, travelling to other parts of the country to go and see their family over the Christmas period and then be back for our game at Crystal Palace on Boxing Day. So it'll also mean that that game probably is going to get rearranged as well. Because there's no way we're going to play Crystal Palace a couple of days later. It's a really shocking decision. It's just not acceptable. And Chelsea fans aren't, you know, notorious other than obviously the Super League taking action. You know, so they don't historically, you know, demonstrate unless they're sort of like a serious issue. But if Wolves fans and Chelsea fans collectively decided to sack this game off, and that game was played in an empty stadium. It would serve the Premier League and the TV companies' rights. They saw during the pandemic how awful football was to watch with no people in the ground. Instead of actually making it difficult for fans to get to games, they should be going out of their way to help supporters get to games, not having a kickoff, a game kicking off on one of the worst days of the year for travel. But Mark, don't you think it's possible that, that it will be badly attended anyway as a consequence of all of this? Which I, will, think, I think you're right. Which, yeah. will, which will send them a signal that it's an absolute waste of time, rather than deliberately doing it. I think the likelihood, you know, I think they'll 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 have a half-empty stadium if they do go ahead with it. But also, the thing is, is they they don't care about us. Mm. They don't care. It's just a yeah. scheduling thing for them. Yeah. They're not even considering it. It's just it's just what would look good. I know. Why don't we have a game? Because we'll get a decent audience at home that's entirely what they're thinking of they're thinking about their advertisers and their setup it's nothing to do with football fans and it's horrendous and absolutely typical of the way it's handled absolutely typical um is it is it sky or is it tnt Actually, I don't know. I don't know which one's it, showing that Sunday game. We'll, we'll need to find out because what we need to do yeah. is to get a big crowd surfer with the words that of either Sky or TNT or CUNTs mm. on it in big yeah. letters because yeah. that will ruin their broadcast yeah, and, and piss off ruin. their advertisers. Yeah, yeah, completely. That's a really there, great there, there is There is plenty of time. And, and I know, and, and you know, Chelsea fans are absolutely fantastic. As supporters, they travel the length of the country to support their team. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of fans that will make that hard decision and, and still go to it um, and then struggle perhaps to get back afterwards. Or, you know, shall we say that there will, you know, there'll be a lot of people just driving up instead. Um, but Which is really great, from... isn't it, in this supposedly, you know, era of like uh, carbon, uh, what do they call it? 
carbon neutral. Thank you, carbon yeah. neutralising. Yeah. You know, so yeah, let's chuck a let's chuck another you know fifteen hundred cars, cars on the motorway, shall we? Yeah, on the business be busy, yeah, because yeah, it's Christmas Eve. It's just yeah, you know, what TV executives just sitting there and thinking, yeah, I know, it'd be really great to have a game, and and you can imagine, I think. Uh, let me just get the fixtures because I was looking at the fixtures. There's no way they'll allow that. Um, and I think it was like, I think Manchester United were playing sort of like West Ham or something. So I thought there's no way they're going to allow, you know, Man United fans to travel down on Christmas Eve you know, on, on a Sunday down to London. So my, my fear did come true. And I thought we, we are the second most likely. But I just thought they'd go for Palace. Wasn't yeah. wasn't there a, a match in America that uh, in the NFL that always take, used to take place on a, on Christmas Day? I mean, I know they used to play football in the fifties and the thirties yeah, on Christmas yeah. Day, yeah. but that was a different era, different different approach to football. But it was, but um, you wonder whether there have in fact been, um, whether there's been a, a, an American bias in this. No, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't <clears> think <throat> we can hang this one yet on the club, JK. No, 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 well, no, I, no, I, I'd quite, I'm just I'd, probing I'd, a bit, Mark. Just yeah, probing. Yeah, yeah so I'd quite like. like we, we might I'd, know more tomorrow. I'd quite yeah. like to clarify that, just from my experience yeah. last time this yeah. happened. Yeah. I mean, you know, the club could not and did not say anything officially. I, I'll tell you off air, Mark, what they did, because I really shouldn't. Yeah. Even if yeah. these people are no longer with Chelsea, it would be unfair yeah. of them to, to, to yeah. break that trust. But uh, um, the club's viewpoint will probably be, well, I mean, the uh, the old club's viewpoint was certainly, we don't agree, we think it's awful, we get how you feel, but, we, but the re- reality is, is that, he who pays the piper pays the tune so you know the power rests with the broadcasters and the premier league and they tell the clubs what to do and they don't really have a lot of say actually um which means that you know i don't know what i mean you know for all i mean i i i i know what i'd like to say but i you know i need to be fair and you know we don't know what the club the current ownership or the club that people who run the club will think of this so i'm going to steer clear of that for now but actually, the reality is that our ire and our, our anger should be targeted directly at, first of all, the broadcasters. They are not public enemy number one in this scenario. And secondly, that absolute oaf who now runs the Premier League, who's not fit to lick the piss off Richard Scudamore's boots. Um, so, you know, I can't I mean, he's such an idiot. I can't even remember his name. So I, you know, <laughs> but anyway, it's the Premier League, but actually more so the broadcasters. So I think if we're planning any action planning any naughtiness the target needs to be the broadcaster and the premier league yeah, and i think I, we should I, also work we should or not that i'm trying to teach your grandmother to suck eggs mark but yeah i thought it was what i thought was most interesting was how quick off the mark the fsa were in all of this today yeah they were I, on I, it ab- absolutely as i said but it was a it was a busy old afternoon just just when you think you're having a quiet day <laughs> and the, 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 the phone started it was, it was about quarter past three and I think when sort of like the message, I think the message might have come out from, I think, um, um, a local newspaper in Wolves, a fair play in Wolves. You know, they, they set the chain of events going. The FSA were quick to get in touch with us. We were quick to, you know, because, we, you, you know, this is a really shit I mean, story. I, I really yeah. think, I really think yeah. that what we need to do is we need to think about how we can ruin that broadcast. You know, if, assuming it goes ahead. Okay, we need to get together, get the great minds together and think, what are all the ways we can absolutely trash that broadcast and embarrass and humiliate them and make it not worth them doing it? That's what we need to be doing. There's plenty of time. I've got plenty of ideas, Mark. No, that's that's, that's fine. And again, 
I'm just reading uh, and talking at the same time, just seeing a message come through. Um, what the press is saying is that there's nothing official confirmed until next week at the earliest, and the pre Premier League haven't said anything either. So nothing is going to happen in terms of fixture confirmation this weekend. We could, so all, we could like... all strip off and wave them about a bit. <laughs> or, or we could individually take a letter in yeah. um, that, that assembles what you suggested and then stand inappropriately in the wrong order so people would they go, well, what are they talking about there? And then assemble it quickly into the right order. So there'd be double the attention. So I could have an N, somebody else could have a C, somebody else could have a T, somebody else. Why don't you give me a C? Exactly. <laughs> Why don't you give me a U? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, you know, I mean, you know, those of us who've worked in TV should know exactly what button, buttons to press here. You know, so I think we need to think that. Right, now, uh, we could do a whole programme on this, as I'm sure you're all aware. I, I think... No, but I, th I think this this will move fast over the weekend. I even think by Monday's show, um, I think I'm back on Monday's show. I think I think we'll have a much clearer position because we'll have a chance to talk to the club tomorrow. I'm sure as the night goes on, and I already see tonight, um, Jason Cundy talks for being on as well. So we'll we'll be much clearer by Monday, and we'll know what the Premier League and TV company's confirmed position is. But it looks like if they can get away with it, they'll want this game at one o'clock on Christmas Eve. Indeed. Which, again, as we said, is a shocking decision. Indeed. Um, it's going to be a long show tonight. There's so much to talk about. And, and yet, so far, nothing about the actual match. But the next thing is, and again, you know, I'm delighted we've got Mark. We've got a Mark Meehan sandwich, JK. I forgot he was on on Monday as well. Yes, well. Yeah. We, we, are the, we are the meat in the Mark Meehan sandwich. Or the I'm cheese, happy. maybe. I think we should both be happy to call it the Mark Meehan fan cast. I think we, we call it the Mark Meehan sandwich. I think that's even better. Anyway, um, right. Next thing on is right up Mark's alley. Um, I mean, there's been news on the uh, on the kind of the redevelopment of Stamford Bridge, if, if only by virtue of the fact that it was announced officially by Stoll that they are, in fact, selling the Stoll, uh, Stoll ground, I suppose, to the to the club. Which begs, I mean, of course, uh, you know, cue uh, hundreds of clickbaity articles on uh, whether it's going to be built at Stamford Bridge, if it's going to be built at Earl's Court, uh, where we would go if that was going to be the case. All of them completely missing the point. But also, Chidge, all of them exactly the same thing we've discussed the last time this came up. Yeah. You'd almost think that, that people coming up with supposedly original ideas. That's all been discussed. It was to Twitter and X was just a complete waste of time. Well, and, and, and practically every article I read every last article. week. Yeah, absolutely. They must think we're fucking goldfish. Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We've forgotten everything about... I mean, was so ridiculously repetitious. You think, yeah, we've discussed that. We know that, yes. Somebody coming on officially, like, you know, um, NK, um, coming on and saying... Uh, um, well, it could be Wembley. Oh, for God's sake! He's an absolute kit of the first We've been degree. down absolutely. We've been down these routes. What is the matter with you? Uh, anyway, How the but, fuck yeah. he got a job at the Standard? Uh, uh, uh. Mind you, George Osborne runs it, so I mean, you know. I think he stopped running it. Has now. he? Did he ever start? Anyway, um, the reality is. I, I will bring Mark in last, like the kind of the, the, hev the heavy <laughs> artillery can follow the. I'm I'm like the the you know snipers at the front, and I'm a bit of a light machine gunner. Okay, so what am I, tail gunner? 
You're not a rear. Um, you're not, not a rear you're gunner. You're not bombs. a rear. You're tail not a rear. Gunner, tail gunner. You're not a rear. Dropping the bombs, Mark. You're not a rear <laughs> gunner, J.K. Uh-uh. Beg your pardon. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, um, as it stands, we don't know anything at all because the club have not said anything at all. Um, you know, we know that there are plans already afoot a to to the, to redevelop. You know, it is. I mean, there are plans around that that, that show you that you can build a sixty thousand plus stadium uh, on the current site and actually having stole would open it up to either making the stadium larger or or developing the land to kind of add in all these other things that will make these yanks more money um from my my understanding mark will clarify this in a minute that earls court would be very difficult it given that the earls court development agency or company or whatever are planning to build a, a big uh complex including housing and shopping um, the other thing, of course, is that, you know, whatever we do, whether we build it at Stanford Bridge or Earls Court, it's going to need planning permission. And it's very unlikely that planning permission would be given at Earls Court, given what we've just said. Um, so, you know, then there's there's all these spurious things in the Matt Law going on saying Jurasec would prefer a move to, to uh, well, anywhere but Stanford Bridge. Well, no shit, Sherlock. If that twat thinks he can make more money, he'd move it to Ulaanbaatar, you know. So we really didn't get told anything new. Uh, Mark... Give us some clarity rather than me ranting. I think you've done a very good summary. Nothing's changed other than that the Chelsea ownership group, let's be clear about the language here, the Chelsea ownership group have reached agreement now to purchase the Stoll land. So Stoll's trustees have met and they've agreed to sell to Chelsea ownership group. The Chelsea ownership group, I imagine is if you were like buying a house, but this is a very big house, they, I anticipate, will complete the sale of the stolen land by early 2024. So probably January 2024, probably about three three months from now. So the only thing that's changed is they, they've reached agreement. Next step in, in the process, clear will be, there's over 100 people living in the flats in Stoll. They need to have homes found for them. Now, that isn't going to happen anytime soon. And where the journalists that did run better stories this week got it right was it'll take a couple of years that to happen. So Who was that? I can't remember who said that. There was so much stuff. You, you sort of lost the will to live. And I'll come back to some of that in a minute. But it's going to take two years for Stoll to find homes for those residents. So nothing's going to happen quickly. You're not going to have the bulldovers coming in tomorrow Despite the nonsense some of the people have written online, yeah, yeah, come on, we're moving. It's not going to happen quick. You know, people, there's people's homes here. Many of those have lived there for many years. Some of the residents who live there are in their 90s. So this has to be handled very sensibly, very carefully. You're dealing with people's homes and thinking about anybody, if you had to move out of your home and not necessarily want to, that is a difficult process. So Stoll are doing this very, very carefully indeed because they are conscious They've made the strategic business decision that they can't mend their stock because it's going to cost too much money. So what they'll do instead is they'll sell the land to Chelsea and then use that money to invest in buying new homes for those residents to move into. And that's all going to take time. So people have a bit of patience on that part of it. Secondly, nothing's changed as well. There is no concrete plan yet on the table. Lots of plans and talked about. Chelsea have not come out and said, right, 
now that we have acquired, or we haven't yet acquired it, I said it's January, this is what we're going to do. I don't think there'll be any announcement until those contracts have been exchanged and the Chelsea ownership group own that land. I don't think there's going to be any announcement this week, next week. I'll be very surprised if that did happen. Then we move on to Ells Court. If people have heard me talk, and you have, Jid, I don't think Ells Court is a runner. But yet people still go on about Ells Court, Ells Court, Ells Court. I've said it on this show many times before. If you are on social media, and you may follow some people in the know, you may follow some very good people, including the two gentlemen I'm on the show with tonight, but follow the Earl's Court Development Company. And none of these idiots on Twitter are doing, do your due diligence, do your research if you're going to make a comment. Everyone's in touch with their opinion, but if you're going to make an opinion, actually have some research and you know, validity behind it. Read the Earl's Court Development Company website. Read their master plan for Earl's Court. Look at how many years they've been doing this. Look at their press statements where they're saying, we categorically deny that any talks taking place at Chelsea Football Club about a stadium relocation to Earl's Court. We have launched our own draft master plan for a mixed-use scheme to bring the wonder back to Earl's Court. They're building housing. They're building offices. They're building retail on that site to boost that economy that has really taken millions of million pound hits since the old court um, arena was knocked down. I can't see them doing a dramatic U-turn now. Yeah, so that's that's where the old court development company are. Or, 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 or getting planning permission. I'm coming to that. Yeah, don't okay. worry. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing it in stages. Also, I don't think they'll get planning permission either to develop at Earl's Court. And you, you, if mean the club. Someone, you mean the club? The right? club. Yeah. I mean the club. I don't think they will get planning permission. Um, Earl's Court and even if they put a planning application in and were denied it if people know about planning in the UK they have an appeals process so that's quite feasible as well so they could do all this and they could appeal but they haven't done any of that and we're a year on from where Earl's Court was being talked about now the way the appeals process works if people don't know about planning is the ultimate person you appeal to on a major planning issue is the Secretary of State Quiz time again, Chid. Who is the current Secretary of State in this country for this particular field of work? Well, I'm tempted to say Michael Gove. And you would be correct. Who is a Chelsea... No, he's a QPR fan, really, isn't he? But where does Michael Gove sit every other Saturday with his ne- son? Next to Jonathan. Yes. He, sits at <laughs> he does! Bridge. He does sit next he, to he Jonathan! Does. He, he does. You're on so, mute. You're on mute, JK. Yeah, yeah. So that's where... A bit process... behind me. A bit yeah. behind. Yeah, but he, he, he's at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure he, he might have the opportunity to have a con- conversation with Chelsea. Not, so, not for much longer, Mark. And thank you. You're you're way ahead of me tonight. You're absolutely <laughs> on track. You're spot on, Mr. Chichi. Yeah. So, planning, when you get into a massive planning appeal, it takes an eternity to go through. So, even if they put the planning application tomorrow, it got turned down in a couple of months' time because it's not yet on any committee cabinet process they're not going to get in front of the secretary of state probably for another 12 months guess what might happen in the next 12 months judge um the tories get annihilated and we have a <laughs> labor government there might be a general election now we can't preempt who will win that general election but if for example that the current serving government didn't win and there was a labor government or a hung parliament 
the likelihood of Michael Gove being Secretary of State is remote. So then you might have a Labour government and a Labour council who may not necessarily want Chelsea Football Club to move to Earl's Court because they'll support Earl's Court Development Company in with their economic master plan. Yeah. So I've said all along, I think Earl's Court won't happen. If it does, I'll put my hand up and say, I got it fundamentally wrong. And I'll take all the guys in the fan house down the pub and the first round is on me. I don't think Earl's Court will fly. I really don't. And I think you're then back to, right, we need to focus our attention on Stamford Bridge. So if you, if you want me to do a percentage, I'd say I'm 90, 90% optimistic that Stamford Bridge will then be the only option. Then you've got to develop Stamford Bridge. Now, that isn't going to be easy itself, but you made reference to it. You could build on that site, especially now you've acquired the stole land from January 2024, you could build a 60,000 plus stadium in that space. That, I think that, could, that, 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 by the way, sorry, Mark, yeah. would all, also um, deal with one of the bigger problem areas of the of, of Roman's plan, which was the access and e, particularly egress, because if they own Correct. stole, they can yeah. they can actually have a complete through, thoroughfare through to the uh, Fulham Broadway station. Yep. And, Very, probably, are, and probably and yeah. probably uh, West Brompton as well, because they can build over the railway lane. And, and, and th- this is the point I was making earlier about all these idiots on social media. You have done your homework. You, you know, you've done a bit of research. You, you know, the only block that will remain after the sale goes through, and we work on the basis now that it's going through because the agreement has been reached by the trustee, is what's called block 400. Now, where block 400 is, if you imagine all the surrounding blocks, if you were, you were literally come out of the existing West End and walk all the way through block, past Block 400 into Fulham Broadway Station. If you look at it the other way, so people know who go to Chelsea every other week what I'm talking about. If you're coming in at the end of the game into Fulham Broadway Station, you pass a block on the right-hand side. There's two blocks. The first block is owned by Shepherds Bush Housing Association and the second block is Block 400. You've got then the pathway through. So they, they will have egress through to the station with this deal. So that deals with a lot of issues. But in the event of a major emergency, I don't know whether it's is it nine or ten minutes, Chidge, you have to be able to have egress out of the ground to evacuate the ground in ten minutes. And currently, that would be really restrictive, you know, the way Stanford Bridge is set up at the moment. The stole land is key to getting a 60,000-plus stadium, which would make us the biggest stadium in London, and egress as well. So I think the challenge now will be, and it won't be, as I said soon, probably post-January, probably looking at that, what the Chelsea's plan will be to try and make Stamford Bridge work. Now, to do that, you do one of two things. You do it stand by stand, or you do it in one hit. I think one hit is better because I think the local residents I don't think we'd want seven or eight years of turmoil. So I think if that happens, then is how quickly Chelsea could redevelop that site and build a stadium. And then the unanswered question, and we haven't got all night, and you could debate this all night, is where do we move to? And then that's the next challenge. And I think to do that, and I think there'll already be a conversation anyway with supporters and Chelsea pitch owners, which is the last thing I'll come to, is then you've got to have a proper grown-up conversation with supporters, if we are staying at Stamford Bridge, but we have to move out temporarily, what the best options are? I know, I know the answer to that one. Yeah. Uh, and then F- finally, F- Fulham, then... Fulham for league matches and Wembley for European matches. Yeah. And then finally, in terms of like Chelsea pitch owners, 
And there's there's a lot being written about Chelsea Pitchern. And I've got to give a shout out to Daniel Charles this week. Yeah, da- Daniel actually, you know, if you, if you follow Daniel, son of Chelsea, yeah, he was actually sticking up for the pitch owners this week. It's it's almost like you know, some people have created this pitch owner thing that they're like they're like the Sandman. You know, if you buy a Chelsea pitch owner share, the pitch owners will get you. The pitch owners, if people don't know what Chelsea pitch owners is, again, do your due diligence, do your research. There's fourteen thousand Chelsea pitch owners who have twenty three thousand shares between them, and. Apart from the odd Laurie McMenemy, Craig Burley, Dennis Wise, who may hold a share or two because they were probably browbeaten into it by Ken Bates many years ago, and probably many other ex-football people every time Chelsea had a home game, the great majority of Chelsea pitch owner shareholders are, no surprise, Chelsea supporters. So if you feel strongly enough about this, and we've said this many times in this show, even if you want to move to Earl's Court, that's fine. You know, as I said, everyone's got their opinion. Buy a Chelsea pitch owner share. It's never been more important because when we move into this place, once they complete the sale, there will be a conversation with Chelsea pitch owners. And there will be a conversation with all of those 14,000. Because if it comes down to it, and Chelsea have been down this pathway before under the other administration, there'll be a vote. If we were to move, and you have to get 75% of the Chelsea pitch owners voting in favour. So that's the other headache that has to think about, even if they got planning permission at Old Court, is the pitch owners would have to agree to it. Yeah. So So again, it's back to Stamford Bridge. Again, if I get it wrong, drinks are on me. Well, I, I think you've, you've nailed it, as you always do, Mark. Actually, that's a good segue, really, because, uh, you know, Mark's right. Um you can sit and moan from the sidelines, but um, whether you want to buy one because you want to have your say or you want to buy one because you want to keep Stamford, uh, you know, Chelsea playing at Stamford Bridge, then you absolutely have to go and buy a Chelsea pitch owner's share. And the best way to do that is to go to the Chelsea website, chelseafc.com, and search for Chelsea pitch owners. And they, uh, I think the lowest price is about 110 quid for a share. So go and do it. I, well, do you know what I do? I always try and buy one for myself for Christmas, which I think is a good idea. And then you build yeah, up. And again, perfect, perfect segue. We're, we're coming into Christmas now. So again, yeah, go out and buy one either for yourself or one of your family. Exactly that. Uh, now, the other thing you don't, this this is not a Christmas present. This is a monthly present to yourself. Uh, and that is to buy uh, the next edition of CFC UK. Um, I pinged an article in there. So I, I would imagine actually the new one will be out uh, tomorrow at the match so yep. don't forget yep. to pick it up uh, at the stall which is opposite Fulham Broadway or from any of the sellers along Fulham Road all screaming hurry up it's only a pound uh, if you can't get uh, a copy in person do not panic you can actually subscribe to CFC UK which means you get one in the post uh, and you can do that whether in the UK Europe or anywhere in the world and it'll cost you 20 quid for a year's subscription in the UK 45 quid for a subscription in europe and 60 quid for the rest of the world you can also get it digitally so uh, dj will email you a pdf and if you want to subscribe to that for a year it's six quid or a pound each and you can pay via paypal to fanzine at cfcuk.net now uh we've got part two coming up and it will be the opposition view 
When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's matchday problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back to part two of the Chelsea Fancast Friday night preview show uh, and it's uh, good to be back. I'm Stanford Chidge of course and now it is time for this. That's right it is our opposition view which I know you all love a lot as do I and this week is, is very special because I've got a uh, an Arsenal supporter and a chap that I've known for a very long time. We've, uh, we've, uh, I think we've had the dubious honour of being on Talksport together several times, and uh, a lot of the love sports stuff. Uh, he turned up, and he is the absolutely wonderful Harry Simeu from the Chronicles of Aguna. Harry, lovely to see you, mate. And you, mate. It's been way too long. Good to see um, that you're doing well. That the podcast is still flying. And uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're still hobbling along. We're like that wagon from Paint Your Wagon. You know, we're still rolling along. We might only have a wheel or two left, but we're still here. You, you, my friend, have been going from strength to strength. As uh, I was saying to you before we went on air, that you're on TalkSport all the time, Sky, BBC Five Live, BBC London. Whenever I turn the telly, I see Harry on there. What's going on? Thank you, man. Yeah, it's been great. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um I mean, getting to cover Arsenal for a living is is the dream, right? It's, it's what I always wanted to do. And yeah, I'm just trying to enjoy the ride as, as it goes. And sort of it's been quite difficult at times when, you know, there's a massive moment and you just want to let loose as a fan. Yeah. But you're on uh, some sort of outlet and you have to be just a little bit calmer. So I found that quite difficult. But generally speaking, um, it's been great. And um, and thanks for, for keeping track of it. It's, it's amazing to... Um, to talk Arsenal, basically, because I'm an Arsenal fan. And, oh, and that's just how it goes. No, it's really funny. I, I said to the boys last week, <clears throat> you saw, I said, I'm going to get somebody really big for, for next Friday as an Arsenal fan. And uh, this might make you laugh. Oh, you're not going to get somebody from Arsenal fan TV on. <laughs> 
I said, no, of course I'm not. As I said, actually, I know Robbie and I like him, so I, I could have done. But I said, no, 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 I, I won't tell you who we got on. So it'll be a lovely surprise for them. But uh, it's nice to, I mean, we've known each other for a while, but it's nice to have somebody on who's probably the most level-headed Arsenal fan I know. I don't get that very often, to be fair. Well, not from fellow go. Arsenal fans. No, <laughs> I've well, been accused in the last 24 months, quite often, I would say, as being Mikel, of being Mikel Arteta's lawyer. So really? There you go. Yeah. Well, how about actually. that? No, I mean, you know, we are too. I mean, we like a rant, as, as do the best of us, but we're, we're often quite even-handed and fair-minded, and, and I kind of like... I think it's probably, Harry, because we're so old on this show. We've seen it all before, but there you go. Right, let's get on with some questions for you. I mean, I think it's a bit of a cheeky one, really, to start with, but I think I, I might feel exactly the same here. There's one thing that Arsenal and Chelsea fans got have got in common. It's their loathing of Spurs. Um, so how does it feel to be second in the league to Spurs at the moment? Yeah, not great. Um, but you always know with Spurs that there's a good chance. Well, some tottering's day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you know at some point they're probably going to press the self-destruct button. I actually covered a Spurs game a couple of weeks ago, their game um, up at Luton. And although they won that game and they came away with a lot of plaudits and Ange Postacoglu's the flavour of the month and all the rest of it, I did look at their squad that day, particularly when they lost Yves Basuma after he was sent off. And then looking at them later on in the game when they tried to kind of shut up shop a little bit. And I did think, you know what, their options are really, really limited from the bench. So although they're they're sitting there now, let, let them enjoy it. They haven't had much joy, have they, over the years? So let them enjoy it for now. But I'm almost certain that they will not be um, in the top three. Maybe they'll make the top four, top five, depending on whether sort of Manchester United and Chelsea get the, their acts together. But yeah, I, I don't see Spurs as being able to sustain that level over the course of the season. So I'm not too concerned. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I, I would say that being second in the table to Spurs is a lot better than being 11th in the table. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I shall say no more about it. I mean, you know, talking the title, you, you, you did get really close, uh, you know, much to our clenched teeth, but you did get really close last season. You know, can you win it this season? Will you win it this season? And, and if not, what might stop you, do you think? I think we can win it. I think Arsenal are good enough. And I'm kind of hoping that whoever wins it is going to get, is, is is not going to be required to get 90 plus points. Because I think if you start talking about the sort of 80, 85 mark, then it becomes a much more open title race because there are very few teams that have been able to kind of do what City have done over the years. Liverpool managed to, to topple them on one occasion and got incredibly big points totals in other seasons, but still didn't win the league. You know, it's remarkable to think that that Jurgen Klopp side at its absolute pomp, couldn't win the title more than once. So that kind of shows you what you're up against in terms of competition. And Man City, you know, treble winners. I know they've had a bit of a stutter recently, and I know that being without Rodri has had quite the impact, but I still think they're going to come good, and I still think that they are the side to beat. So I'm not going to sit here and say Arsenal will win the league. I think they're capable. I think they'll need a little bit of luck along the way with regards to injuries, you know, as every team does. You know, you've seen Manchester City for all their riches, the way their level drops when Rodri's not in the side, for example. So sometimes when you've got top players, they are irreplaceable and that's just the way it goes. So um, I think Arsenal can. There's reason to be optimistic. Arsenal have evolved this season um, from the last season. I think there's some things that 
they look better at and there's some things that maybe they haven't quite clicked at just yet so I think we're all kind of sitting patiently and and not getting carried away based on last season's experience but you've got to believe you can win it right otherwise what's the point absolutely I mean it's a good point actually you know it's it's interesting what you say there because I remember um I would say you know from about kind of late 90s when when Luca was in charge for us and then I mean obviously we had that dip when when Ranieri turned up but and then into the Mourinho years you know when we were there or thereabouts um and and I mean you know in a sense we 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 ended up didn't we breaking the hegemony between you and United but I remember in those days you knew that if you lost three or four games you weren't going to win the title because you know you didn't have any margin for error at all because if you did, Arsenal or United would win it. Um, and, it and it's interesting because you, you kind of almost saying the same thing there. And it's, uh, I wonder if that's so true now because, of course, there are so many. I, I mean, I think the level of the Premier League is now a lot better. I mean, any team can beat you on any day. If, you, if you're not 100% on it, if you don't turn up, you're going to get done. And, I mean, you know, City lost to Wolves the other week, for example. You know, yeah. so maybe there's a bit more margin for error, but... Actually, it's also really tough because you've got more competitors, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the toughest league in the world. You know, people say that and they say that for good reason, because as you say, anybody can be anybody on any given day. Um, I know people don't like to, to talk about this much in terms of, you know, when you say it, people will often say, well, you're making excuses. But you also need the officials to do their job properly as well, because if you're talking about such fine margins, you can very quickly find yourself a couple of points off because of a bad decision. I mean, I think back to last season, for example, and again, it's not an excuse for Arsenal not winning the league because, you know, ultimately City were were the better side over the course of 38 games. But you think back to that game at Old Trafford at the start of the season where Arsenal were beaten and, you know, the officials came out and said it was a mistake to, to chalk off the Martinelli goal. And then you think about the goal that Brentford scored against Arsenal that earned them a draw at the Emirates Stadium in a crucial point of the season where the guy was offside and the VAR forgot to check. So again, I want to be clear, I'm not using it as an excuse, but you know that's a load of points that Arsenal missed out on. So you need everything to go your way because you're talking about a Manchester City side that are relentless and are capable of going on 15, 16 game winning runs. You know, when has that been a thing in the past? Yeah, you might go that, length of time unbeaten but to well, you, you did it you did it in in 2003 uh yeah, we, we did it in Arsenal... 2000 or oh, zangon you were 2004 we did it in 2005 mm-hmm. so you know there, 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 it has happened before but arsenal drew 12 of those 38 well, games. I, i'm glad you said that harry and then that's <laughs> that's the like it was a great achievement of course but when you think about Manchester City's ability to win yeah. 14 winning 15, winning 16 on the, on the spin is something yeah. else isn't it no you're it's right unbelievable I mean, look, you know, on, on that point, I mean, you know, you, you've got to be pleased for the season with the season so far. I mean, you're unbeaten. You won six, uh, drawn two. Uh, I mean, and of course, you beat City last time out, which I, I would imagine is quite a monkey off the back, actually. And certainly in terms of b- believing that you can do it this year. Yeah, for sure. That's That was the thing, you know, to gain three points on them at this stage in the season is not really that big yeah, a deal, yeah. given how much football is still left to be played. It's certainly not a fatal blow to them. Um, but to be able to get, as you say, that monkey off your back and and stop with this you know, awful run of form that we were on against City. And I know the Community Shield isn't really a, a big deal. And I know that <laughs> Arsenal drew the game, but ultimately ended up winning it on penalties. But if you think about that, 
the fact that we were able to avoid defeat to them that day and then you follow that up with a victory over them. It feels like psychologically Arsenal might be starting to get over that trauma that they kind of suffered from City over the last few years. Because if you go back to the season before last, City came to the Emirates Stadium, were played off the park and nicked it right at the death with Rodri's goal. And then last season, you know, a mistake let them in at Emirates Stadium and and they, they went on from there to win the game. And they absolutely battered us at the Etihad. So for Arsenal to kind of show that they can compete now, and that's taken some adaptation in terms of Arsenal's approach in those games. And that's why as fans, we feel encouraged because you're not going to get everything right all the time. But if you can see and feel that the team are learning lessons, then that feel that makes you feel like you're moving in the oh, right direction. It's so true. I mean, I remember that. That is quite funny, actually, because I was doing my usual bit of not stats, but just kind of looking at the history of it and, and you know, Chelsea's history against Arsenal at home in the Premier League and you know I forgot actually you know in the beginning of the Premier League we were doing quite well and and then we had that horrendous horrendous run really from the late 90s to to really uh, until Mourinho turned up and and I remember at the time I mean I I, I've got a lot of friends who are are Arsenal mates but my god I hated you lot I remember we got done 3-1 in in an FA Cup final replay not final replay an FA Cup I can't remember it might have been quarter final or something but it's when Abue scored, and and I was convinced that year that we were going to beat you. We were finally going to beat you, and we we're going to win the FA Cup. And I was almost in tears at the end of the match. I, I was a, in a mix of, of 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 absolutely rage and tears. It was awful. So when when we finally did beat you, when Ranieri uh, beat you in the in the in the Champions League semi, it was just it was just joyous. It was joyous. For I mean the quarterfinal, it was joyous, wasn't it? I mean. That was one of my worst nights yeah. as an Arsenal fan. Well, there fan. you go. Yeah, because you always beat us. Wainbridge. Yeah, you always beat us, you know, and we always lost to you at that time. And But when you do do it, when you finally beat a rival like that, who's had the number on you for a long time, you just think you can take on the world. So, yeah, yeah, I think you, you must be a happy man about beating City the other week. Right, now, um, who's impressed you so far this season in, in terms of Arsenal players? Old, old or new? Um... I mean, Declan Rice has been a revelation, I think, since he's come in. Um, I I must admit, in the summer when there was all that talk about the transfer and people were talking about, you know, fees in excess of £100 million, I was one of the people that thought, is he worth that? You know, £75, £80 million, I could kind of stomach. But once you get up to £100 I started to ask questions. And I wasn't sure um, if that was the right move. But he's come in and he's been brilliant. And what he's done is not only added to what Arsenal had, but he's given Arsenal the ability to cope without Thomas Partey, who constantly breaks down with injuries. When he's fit and firing, he's one of our most important players, Thomas Partey. But without him, Arsenal were a shadow of themselves last season. And they lost him in the running. They lost William Saliba in the running. They lost Tommy Asu in the running, who would have covered William Saliba. And it all went wrong. So to see that extra depth um, added has been key. Declan Rice has been amazing. Um in terms of others that have impressed me this season, nobody's really surprised me because we had a, quite a high-level campaign last time out. So you look at it and you go, well, I expect these players to perform. But I've been impressed with Odegaard, um, generally speaking, in the fact that he seems to be taking way more responsibility over this season and, and last season in terms of contributing goals and, and making the difference in the final third. You know, you always felt when he first came to Arsenal that he took too long at times and that he was always looking for that extra pass and he's just got this 
new shoot on site policy. He got 15 league goals last season without taking a penalty. Um, and he's continued that this season by scoring goals regularly. So he would be the one that, you know, is slowly developing into probably Arsenal's most important player up there with maybe Bukayo Saka. I mean, I'd have had Rice like a shot. I think it's difficult, isn't it, in these, this day and age? Because basically players are worth what clubs are prepared to pay for them, really. Mm. So it, it's I know what you mean. You look at over 100 million quid for a player and you think, you what? You know, but if that's how much they cost, that's how much they cost. Um, obviously, you know, we've, uh, uh, well, I mean, there are probably two schools of thought on this. Um, you, you you took two of our best players or we got rid of a couple of players we didn't like anymore. It's up to you, really. I mean, obviously, Jorginho uh, went uh, almost a year ago and Havertz went in the summer. I mean, what do you think of those two? So, Jorginho has actually done a really good job for Arsenal, um, generally speaking. I think he's done a great job of coming into games and just controlling the tempo which you always knew he could do from his time at Chelsea. I'm a big Serie A fan, so I knew prior to his arrival at Chelsea what he was capable of. I don't always think the Premier League suits Jorginho necessarily because I think at times he can get exposed for a lack of mobility. And the bigger the spaces that he has to play in, the more chance there is of him getting caught out and of that being sort of really highlighted and and worked on by an opponent. I think what Arsenal have done quite well with Jorginho. And I know he made that mistake against Spurs, which led to the equalising goal. But overall, he's been a really good acquisition for around about £10 million. Playing him the way that we played him against Manchester City last week, that's exactly what you need from Jorginho and how you should utilise him. He had Declan Rice alongside him who could do all the legwork, who could cover all the ground. And with Manchester City... Well, like like Kante. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with Manchester City sort of squeezing us up the pitch it became a game in small spaces and Jorginho when it comes to first touch awareness the ability to to pick out passes and to be responsible with the boys as good as anyone in the game so for me I think he's been a good signing relative to what we paid for him not a world beat I wouldn't be in my starting 11 but has done well as a squad player and I think it was a, a smart bit of business as for Kai Havertz, he's divided opinion. I have to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, when we signed him, it was funny because about two weeks before we signed him or two weeks before the, the rumour even came out, I had said on a podcast when I was doing my sort of summer wish list, given all the change that's happening at Chelsea, if Kai Havertz is available for a reasonable price, I would take a gamble on him. Because I've always looked at Kai Havertz and thought there is more in there than what we're seeing at Chelsea. Couldn't put my finger on exactly why, you know, what it was specifically at Chelsea that wasn't working. But I always felt there was more to come from Kai Havertz. When we went in for him, I was like, okay, this is interesting. 65 million was crazy to me. Crazy money. It's way too much money to to gamble on. Arsenal then bring him in and you're thinking, okay, actually, this makes quite a bit of sense. His physical profile is very different to what Arsenal have in the forward line. He's a ready-made player in terms of his experience. You know, he can play as a centre forward. He can play just off a centre forward. He could play from the right, from the left. It made a load of sense to me. And then Mikel Arteta started playing him as an eight in midfield. And I was just like, what? I I couldn't get my head around it. And I've had to look really hard into his performances to figure out what it is that he brings to the team. But the more I do that, the more I realise at least what the plan is for him. I don't think he's executed it just yet. I don't think he's hit the ground running or anything like that. And I think the the jury's still out. 
but I'm not ready to sit here and say it was a flop signing yet. And I think people have seen him in glimpses contribute a lot to games. So, for example, you take the City game the other week. He come on and gave us an option to go direct and to go longer because of his physical profile. Now, he might not be the best hold-up player in the world, but in comparison to what Arsenal had, it's something different. And he brought the ball down on a couple of occasions and he ultimately created the chance from which Arsenal won the game. So he can impact games and he has got moments in him, as you guys know, Champions League final, you know, Club World Cup. You know, he has got those moments in him. So I think it's an okay bit of business so far. I'm hoping it gets better. But, you know, 65 million was a lot of money. So people are right to ask questions. I mean, Harry, Harry, that could have been a Chelsea supporter talking. I mean, you know, it, 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 there's so many. I mean, I liked Kai Havertz. I mean, I like any player who wins us the European Cup. You know, it goes without saying. Um, and I think there's a player there. And I've seen, I've seen what he did. I'd seen what he does for Germany. And I've seen what he did in the Bundesliga. And there's a player there. I think he's a very modern player. And what I mean by that is that he can play in a variety of positions. But you don't have any idea what his best position is. And that was the problem. And I think because of that, Chelsea just ended up playing him in the position that he, he's completely not suited to, which is a lone striker. Um, and, I mean, we did it because we didn't have any other bloody options. And fair play to him. He took one for the team. And he effectively played as our number nine for most of last season. And it was terrible. Uh, it's not his position. I, I don't know. I, I think he might be something like a physical number 10. Or or a, yeah. play, a player who can play off a, a, a real poacher. You know, I think I think in Arsenal's system as well, um, and it's very clear, like people were saying last season, why did they sign Jesus? You know, he's not this lethal goal scorer. But look at what Jesus brought to the players around him. Saka, 15 league goals. Martinelli, 15 league goals. Odegaard, 15 league goals. And that was all because Gabriel Jesus was such a great facilitator in terms of, you know, dropping deep, bringing other people into the game. But in order to be that, you need players to get close to you. Saka will get close to Kai Havertz if he plays in that position for Arsenal. Martinelli, the same. And I just think that, you know, Mikel Arteta places the value on his centre or, or, or wants his centre forward to bring the most value as a facilitator. And he wants the goals to be spread across the team. That's the philosophy. That's the idea. And I think that's why he sort of moved for him. I, I agree with you, you know, when you say, you know, that Chelsea fans were frustrated by him at times. And, and a question I wanted to ask you, actually, I know it's your show, but I'll have one. Um, well, you're allowed more than one if you want. <laughs> my, my question to you is, how do you think the Chelsea fans will react to him at the weekend? Because I saw some stuff going around on social media and I know social media isn't always a barometer of how match going fans are feeling, but it was like, you know, should we boo Kai Havertz or we're going to give him hell at the weekend? And I just thought, well, is it really that bad between the Chelsea fans and him? Well, I, I don't think it is. And it, it, it shouldn't be, um, you know, I mean, actually, I mean, look, historically Chelsea are, are, are really, I don't know. You, you've been to the bridge a few times. I know, you know, we're historically very good with players coming back. We always give them a good reception. And I mean, I was at Fulham away uh, the other week and, and we were singing Williams' song at him for a lot of the game, you know, <laughs> uh, which is like the way fans don't tend to do that too much. But we're very generous with people come back unless they went to Spurs. <laughs> and then, then, they get, then they get dogs abuse, you know, on principle. I mean, I think you're right. I think a lot of this is complete and utter social media nonsense. Um, yeah. I mean... I mean, a, a more interesting question, not that I'm being critical of your question, but it'll be interesting to see what happens when Mason Mount comes back. Because, mm. I mean, he was loved at Chelsea. He was one of our own and all of that. And there are two 
I mean, there's a very interesting PR battle, I think, being waged between Mount and the club. I mean, I think the club pushed him out, personally. I think they, they had a contract offer on the table, which they, they reneged on uh, just uh, after the World Cup, and he was left with no options. Um, but, the, you know, that's kind of a Mount Camp-type position, whereas the club are saying, oh, we, we tried to keep him, but he didn't want to be here. So yeah. some people, half the people are going to believe the club, the other half are going to believe the player. So you might see an interesting reaction when that happens. I, honestly, Harry, I will be surprised if, if, if Havertz gets some stick. You know, as you said, he won us the Champions League. He won us the, uh, the World Club Cup. You know, he, he, he tried his bollocks off for us. He played in a position that wasn't his position, didn't complain. There was no shittiness when he left. It was like, you know, our greedy penny-pinching owners thought, oh, we can, we can uh, make a, a nice nifty 65 million selling Havertz. Let's do it, you know. So I will be really surprised if he gets stick. And, and, and in my own personal opinion, he certainly doesn't deserve it if, if, if that's the case. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, so there you go. Um, talking of players um, that have, you know, uh, kind of gone one way or the other, you know, did you want Mudrick or were you, did you, or do you feel you kind of swerved a bullet there? I feel like we kind of swerved the bullet there. Why, but why now so? Said, why so? Now I've said that he's probably going to score against us at the weekend. But um, I, I don't know. I I was never totally convinced by him. Not because I don't think he's talented. I think he's extremely talented. I think he, he showed in that first like 45 minutes that he played. I think it was at Anfield, wasn't it? Where he just kind of burst onto the scene. What a player he can be. But again, it's it for me. It's about the financials, and I might sound like a bit of an accountant, right? I keep going on about the money that each player's worth and all the rest of it. The problem is, I think I've been conditioned to feel like that because over the the last five or six years prior to Mikel Arteta's arrival, Arsenal had gone out and overpaid for some really bang average footballers, and as a result of that, they were stuck with them, and then they couldn't move them out because not only would nobody pay anywhere near what Arsenal paid for them, but you couldn't get them to to stop sitting on the big contracts that they'd signed. And and it kind of put our club back in, you know, you know, put us back five, six years. And it took some time for Arteta to find his feet, largely because he was trying to get rid of those players. So I'm always wary of spending massive, massive money on players that you don't have much evidence on. And mm. Mikhailo Mudrik is, is one of those players. But, you know, I think there's definitely talent there. I think he's definitely someone that will get better. I think he's clearly a confidence player and it looks like his confidence has been shot for a while. And just in the last few weeks, you're starting to see signs, aren't you, of him sort of coming into the kind of form that he's capable of. I just think at the time for us, signing Leandro Trossard for 20-odd million made more sense. And that's not because I didn't want Mudrik. I, I like Mudrik and I would have been happy if Arsenal signed him. But at that point in time, I thought 20 million for Trossard, who is going to come in and boost our squad tomorrow. And then Mikhailo Mudrik, who may be a great player over the next three or four seasons, but it's going to take time. You nailed it, Harry. I mean, this is the world that Chelsea are in at the moment. I mean, you know, I think we we did a show a few weeks ago and we said, well, we did a show a few few weeks ago when we were losing every game, I should hasten to add. Obviously, we've now completely flip-flopped because that's what supporters do. But, you know, I remember at the time saying, the board have got it totally wrong. They've spunked up a billion quid on uh, buying unproven talent. Yeah, you know, it's all right for them to say, oh, well, we'll do something in two or three years. There are no guarantees in football. And actually, if they'd have bought uh, Rice, which they'd have had to pay a lot of money for, but they paid more for Caicedo. Uh, if they'd have bought James Ward-Prowse and James Madison, which would have been 
you know, relatively cheap compared to the money they spent on some of these unproven 20 year olds. Mm. We might have, we, I would have felt confident that we would get top four. I really would have been. But they've decided not to do that. And they seem to be caught between two stools um, going that route, which is not going to win you anything in the short term. And also doing what you were explaining about the problem that Arteta had, getting rid of a lot of players that were, were dead weight, which we may well have done because, I mean, hand on heart, if you ask Chelsea supporters, were you happy with, you know, who let who got let go? M- most of them would say, actually, the majority of those players we'd had enough of. Yeah. You know, so you and know. I think Chelsea, Chelsea got a lot of unfair stick over the summer. Like I know that the emergence of the Saudi Pro League in a couple of instances meant that Chelsea could kind of, should we use the term dump players that they weren't going to get any money for from anybody else. And and that's great. Like they used that situation to their advantage as any club would, but they actually brought in a fair amount of money over the summer. And that goes under the radar. It's never spoken about because that would be giving Chelsea some credit and people don't want to do that. <laughs> we can't because, have that, Harry. Yeah. Good grief. No, <laughs> no, that's it. And, and I think the whole Todd Bowley, listen, I think Todd Bowley has got a lot to learn about our sport. <laughs> And I think he's he's sort of come in and playing like a bit of a fantasy football game. And, you know, if, if it works, great. But I think, I don't know, looking at it from the outside, sometimes it feels like there isn't a plan. Yeah. And no fan wants to feel like they've got a madman in control wow. pressing buttons. And and that's what it feels like he is yeah. sometimes. I mean, actually, I, I would say the reverse. I think I think they have got a plan. I just don't think it's the right one. Okay. I mean, yeah. you know, you talked about the length of contracts and it's really hard to get rid of players who are stinking the place out. They've just got rid of a lot of players that were stinking the place out, but they've replaced them with young players who are unproven, who might stink the place out, but they've got them on eight-year contracts. Good yeah, luck with that. that's wild to me. Yeah, that's wild to me. The eight-year contracts are wild to me. Like, I know that for a player it's great because you get that security, but, you know, but that, that's for a player of a certain age. Like. Yeah. If you're 21, 22, why would you feel like you need an eight-year contract? It, it, to me, that's strange. And it's Chelsea potentially setting themselves up for a disaster. It, it could work out great, but it could be a disaster as well. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Now, um, you know, you're second. You finished second last year. You've been on a roll for a couple of years. Um, I mean, actually, incidentally, you, 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 you did us in the cup final as well, which upset me greatly, as you can imagine. Um and we're not at the races, let's be honest. And you, you are, you are, as Tommy Tuchel used to say, competing. Where, where are we with the rivalry at the moment? Because it's a great rivalry. I mean, you know, you, you lot did my head in for nearly ten to fifteen years. We did your heads in for about ten years, maybe fifteen years. Where, are, where are we with the rivalry at the moment? It's a really good question. That um, I personally don't feel as strongly towards Chelsea as I, I know a lot of Arsenal fans do. Um, I grew up absolutely hating Manchester United and that will never go away for me. No matter how bad they are or good we are or vice versa, that is the one for me. Um, the Tottenham rivalry is huge as well. And I sort of, I look at Chelsea and I think, you know, at the beginning when Abramovich came in, I was thinking, oh my God, like, what is this? Like, what is happening to football that this guy has been able to turn up with all these billions of pounds and, and just turn a team that, you know, were a decent side, but not title challenges into this machine that's just been winning for, you know, a few years now. And then it got to the point where over what, 20 odd years, Chelsea were probably the most successful club in England. I haven't looked at the stats, but I'm off the top of my head. It feels like that. Um, 
And over time, you know, you think, well, the club's moved on and it's pushing on and, and you develop a bit of a respect for that. We both can't stand Spurs, which is something that unites us. <laughs> and um, we Super both right. like to poke fun at them. We both like to torment them. Um, it's, it's, it's a rivalry that I think has just waned a little bit over the last few seasons because it's either been Chelsea being competitive, as Tommy Tuchel would say, uh, and Arsenal not. And now it feels like it's flipped a little bit. Um, but it is still a rivalry. It's a London yeah. derby. Um, I know a lot of Chelsea fans. So when people are kind of in your life all the time, it's difficult to ignore and avoid. Um, so I think it's still a, a fierce rivalry, but it's not at its peak and it's not at its height. And, you know, maybe we'll return to that one day, but I just don't feel like we're there right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was, it was, I mean, it, it, it yeah, it, it's great actually when, I, I mean, I, and this is the thing actually, and if you, you and I just step away from it for a second and think about this, um, in the last kind of 20 or 30 years, really, there's only been two teams in London, and that's Chelsea and Arsenal, which should beget a really strong rivalry. And, but it, I agree with you. It doesn't feel like that as much. You know, yeah. I mean, we hate Spurs. You hate Spurs. That's That that runs deep. Uh, West Ham hate us, but we're not that too much. Well, we're bothered to a degree, but I mean, you know, they're never competing. You kind of need to have that local rivalry and a competitive rivalry going for it to really max out. And I think we've had periods where that's been the case. But uh, listen, if you lot turn up on Saturday singing, we don't hate you because you're shit. I'm never speaking to you again. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually I don't think that you're going to get any of that. I think there's going to be um, I, I think it's going to be interesting, actually. I don't know how the <laughs> Arsenal fans are going to approach this because Arsenal are on a good run against Chelsea. I know it's horrible. Um, it's yeah, it's great for me. Um, <laughs> I was at the bridge uh, for the four-two win in the away end, yeah. um, and I loved it. And I was losing my mind. I was in the press box for the game last season, which I enjoyed, but I had to stay a little bit calmer. Um, and I'm I'm there again at the weekend, so I'm really really looking forward to this. But I'm always interested in how the the fans sort of go off at one another because, you know, last season I think it was. You know, Graham Potter was in charge. He came into the press conference after the game and he looked like a, a deer in front of the headlights. He he didn't look like he belonged there. And, you know, Arsenal were really good that day. And, and it wasn't really the kind of atmosphere that I expected at Stamford Bridge. It all felt a little bit flat. Um, but I think with the couple of victories that you've picked up in recent weeks and the fact that although it hasn't really blossomed yet, I, I get the impression that you're all kind of on board with the Pochettino project. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be a, a, a totally different experience this time. Well, we got a proper manager, and I think that's that really, really helps. I mean, last year was just dreadful. Um, and in fact, actually, you know, it's funny, isn't it? I've, I've completely expunged the the two four and the four nil from my memory bank. I can't for the life of me think why. Um, oh, the four nil was in uh, that was a pre season friendly. That's what I'm thinking of, isn't it? I've got, yeah. got you've got the head to heads up here. I don't remember the the two four. I, I can't think why I don't remember that. Is that the one where um, where Kante fell over and, and Martinelli scored? No, that was... Uh, wasn't that before? Wasn't this the one where Enketia scored, where um, you guys equalised twice really quickly? Arsenal took the lead oh, twice. Yes, yes, yes. yes and there was yes, two yes. quick equalisers. Then in the second yeah. half, Arsenal went on and won yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? The one that pisses me off most is the is the, is the 1-0 in, uh, in May 21 when uh, when Jorginho auditioned for Arsenal by passing the ball to you. Because, you know, we knew, we knew that, that, that things were not, not brilliant for us at the time. 
and you know I thought you were one of the worst Arsenal sides I'd seen in years that season it's before it all clicked I was still very sore about the FA Cup I think I can't remember quite the timeline now and 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 we outplayed you totally, and then we just gave it to you on a play. I, and that was Jorginho, I, I, like he does with, against Spurs. You know, he has it in him. You know, I was yeah. so pissed off. But there you go. Listen, turning to 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 Sat, well, tomorrow to Saturday. Um, you know, have you got any injury concerns for tomorrow? You're going to put because um, you never know what you're going to get after an international break, do you? I mean, Saka, uh, is he a doubt or is is he is he back? Well, you never know what you're going to get after an international break and you never know what you're going to get with Mikel Arteta because he is renowned for not giving anything away. Um, I was at a game a few weeks ago. It was the away game at Bournemouth and um, I drove down to Bournemouth thinking that six players were unavailable, um, six really important players as well. And I got to the ground and, and the team news was was given to me and I spoke to the Arsenal press officer and I was like, what is this guy doing to us? Like we're, we're kind of traveling up and down thinking one thing and, and we get there and it's something else. And he, he said to me, look, Arteta just loves to keep people guessing. Like it's not to try and fool you guys. It's just what he does. It's the way he operates. So you never really quite know with him. The club have been incredibly quiet on Bukayo Saka who pulled out of A, the Man City game and then B, both of the England games as well, which is very unlike him. Um, so, you know, we don't know what the situation is with him. Um, at this at the time of recording, um, Leandro Trossard pulled out of the Belgium squad with a hamstring problem. He's unlikely to be available. William Saliba pulled out of the French squad with a toe injury, um, but he was playing with that problem uh, going into the international break and, and was just getting through it. And I, and I think you know this period of rest will be fine for him. Thomas Partey made his return um, to start in football matches for Ghana during the international break. He played forty five minutes and sixty four minutes in the second game. So hopefully he'll be available from our perspective. Um, Those are the ones that there are question marks over. Um, So it's going to be interesting. But, you know, if people think that they're going to tune into Mikel Arteta's press conference and get all the answers, you can forget it. Because he's just going to say, we've got one more training session. We'll have to see how everybody is. That's his famous line that he rolls out every week. So there are some concerns, yes. Um, but it's really difficult to get a read on, on on who's fit and who's not at Arsenal these days. Yeah, it's much the same with uh, Pochettino. He, he keeps his cards close to his chest. I mean, how, how do you think Arteta is going to set up? I mean, I I can't conceive of uh, you know Arsenal doing anything other than having an absolute go at us. To be frank, but actually that that might do us a favour because I mean our biggest problem, and this has been going on for years now, is when we we face a lot of the sides in the Premier League who effectively part the bus, play with a low block. Arsenal aren't going to do that, are they? No. Um, Arsenal will want to control the ball. Arsenal will want to dominate the ball. They have shown this season that they will pay a little bit more respect to their opponents um, if they fear them. And I think, you know, the Man City game was a good example of that. I'm not saying this to be disrespectful to Chelsea, but I don't think Mikel Arteta will look at this one and say, we're not going to play our game here. Mm. I think he will come there. I think he will try and dominate. Um, he will push Zinchenko into midfield from full back and leave himself with a back three at times. I would love to see him play Partey, Rice and Odegaard as the midfield. I think that's Arsenal's first choice midfield. The problem is that at no point really this season have those three all been available, apart from the last 20 minutes of the, the Man City game. So I think that's what he should go with. But I wouldn't be surprised if he put Kai Havertz into the side. I wouldn't be surprised if he played him as as a midfielder. Personally, I'd play him up up top um, on Saturday. He'll have a point to prove. He's been more effective than Eddie and Ketia in that position over the last few weeks. 
And if Bukayo Saka is out, then I think you'll probably see Gabriel Jesus play on the right, which he did against City. And he did, did a really good job that day. Martinelli should be fit enough to start now, having come on as a sub um, against City. The back four will pick itself. White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko. Raya probably continues in goal because despite Mikel Arteta's claims that it's a fair fight for the number one spot at the, at the Arsenal, it's really not, is it, at the moment? So, um, yeah, uh, that's that's how I expect Arsenal to line up, generally speaking. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think I think it's going to be won or lost in midfield, actually. I mean, one one thing that's been encouraging for us recently is that he seems to have worked out that you 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 basically play Caicedo as a six and you play uh Fernandez and Gallagher as eights but with Fernandez the more deep lying eight and 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 Gallagher getting you know into the box more and and they can all put their foot in you know they can all tackle and and, and put a shift in as well so it, we've looked a lot more balanced since he's done that and it looks a good midfield now um it'll be in, that's an interesting matchup if you have you got Partey Odegaard and who else did you mention and Rice, and that would be Rice. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be my three. And I'd have Partey sitting as the the six, um, just because what Partey offers that Declan Rice doesn't offer as much of. And some Arsenal fans would tell you this is nonsense, but I genuinely believe this. And I've looked into the stats, and it really does back it up. Thomas Partey's progressive passing is is so much more frequent than Declan Rice's. Mm. So although Rice is an absolute beast when he plays in the six position, I kind of want to see him as an eight with the ability to drop in alongside Partey when you're out of possession, but also with the ability to just charge forward in the way that we know he can. Um, Partey's progressive passing was a big part of Arsenal's progress last season. So if he sits there as the six and then you've got Rice playing slightly to the left so he can protect Zinchenko as well, who defensively is a little bit suspect and, um, and give Martinelli that license to push further up the field. With Odegaard on the other side, you know we know what he's all about. That that for me is good player. the perfect midfield. No, he's brilliant. Good player, brilliant. So basically, um, Poch needs to play Mudrick on the right. I would, if I were, if I were playing against this Arsenal side, Zinchenko is the obvious weakness. Mm. Defensively, he is lacking, and he knows that. He said it himself. He spoke about it recently, and that's why I've been a little bit frustrated by people sort of heaping praise on William Saliba over the last year. Because, listen, he's been great. But what about Gabriel, who's playing alongside him, who's not only playing as a centre-back, but he's cleaning up Zinchenko's mess four or five times a game. So I think, you know, Gabriel will get dragged out of position because of Zinchenko's instruction to go infield and go into midfield. So if you want to hurt Arsenal, you've got to do it down there, left side, your right side. And if you've got a pace merchant like Mudrik, I know he's much more than that, but someone with that kind of acceleration, stick him there. And, and and pin Zinchenko back. Don't let Zinchenko go into the midfield and contribute to the build-up because he's so good at that and Arsenal is so good at that. If you can limit that, then for Arsenal to do that, they have to take risks. They have to leave that player free and they re- rely on Gabriel being able to get out there quick enough. And against someone like Mudrik, that's not going to be easy. Mm, that's interesting. I mean, you know, Poch plays Mudrik on the left usually and and he's been playing Palmer on the right, and we're we're already falling in love with Palmer. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised actually if he plays Sterling, but Sterling can also mm. play on the right. So it, it'll be interesting whether he picks Mudrick and Sterling, or or Mudrick and Palmer, or Sterling and Palmer. But we will all find out tomorrow. How do you think it's going to go, Harry? My heart says Arsenal win, but my head says one-one draw. Really? Yeah. You know what? I I, I don't tell anybody I said this, but I might take that. 
You know, we've got to stop the rot. We've got to stop losing to you lot. Bloody hell, three on the trot. I can't take it much more. It's, it's the kind of fixture, isn't it, that you, you know, I, I look at it and, you know, we were talking earlier about the need to sort of win every game when you're trying mm. to compete with Man City. But sometimes you have to recognise that, they're, you know, places are difficult to go. And Chelsea, for all their troubles over the last sort of year, 18 months, still have a lot of talented players. We've mentioned the rivalry. We've mentioned the history of the fixture. You know, I think if it depends on the game state, doesn't it? If you get to 75, 80 minutes, are you going to take risks to try and win it and end up leaving maybe empty handed? I don't think so. I think an away point at Stamford Bridge is still seen as a good point. Mm. And um, and so, uh, yeah, I think we could see that. It's unpredictable as well because of the international well, break. Yeah. It's always a lottery after the break. Well, there we go. I, I mean, I'm, the part of me would settle for 1-1. One, one. Right, I, I, I warned you about this before, but we have this little thing called they played for both. So this is going to test your knowledge. There are 34 okay. players, right? Oh, 34 that have represented both Chelsea and Arsenal in their career. Off you go. 34. Oh, my God. How far back are we going here? William Gallas. Yes. Ashley Cole. Yes. Uh, David Luiz. Yes. Willian. Yeah, we said him. It's like the generation game, isn't it? Cuddly toy. <laughs> Jorginho. Yes. Havertz. Yes. Uh, Czech. Yeah. I'm trying to sort of like go backwards. Yossi Benayoun. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um did Paul Merson play for Chelsea or does he support Chelsea? He's, support a, Chelsea? He, he's a bona fide Chelsea supporter, stood on the terraces watching us as a boy. How he ended up at you lot, I'll never know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's not one. And I loved him, you know. I loved him as, I mean, even though I wasn't supposed to because he was Arsenal, I loved Merce. Loved watching yeah, him play. Yeah, he, he was great. He was a great player. Um, oh, God, I'm running low now. Just trying to think in my head. I'm trying to go back. Sort of chronologically. Um, did I say Ashley Cole? You did say Ashley Cole. Uh, going back before that. Did Silvino play for Chelsea? Nope. No. Why was that? Why am I thinking that? This is it's um, hard, isn't it? This this is not people think this is easy. It's yeah, not no, no, easy no, at all. This is tough. So I'll tell you um, you got I'll tell you you've got so far. A quick recap. Havertz, okay. Jorginho, William, Louise. Uh, Benayoun, which is a, I thought that's a good one. I I didn't expect you to get that. That's quite a tough one. Petacek. Mm. Uh, who else have you got? I think that was it so far. And oh, no, Ashley, okay. Ashley Cole, obviously. Fabregas. Can't yes. believe I didn't think yeah, of that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fabregas. Um, Giroud. Yes. Oh, who was that midfield player that played for Real Madrid? Oh, oh! I know who you mean because I can see it here. Lasana uh, Diara. Bang on, bang on. Because um, you're Abamyang. Obje- yeah. So your objective here, uh, I, I should have told you before. All you have to do, Harry, is get more than the Herberts that are on the show with me tonight. Okay. Let me throw a, a couple more in then, just to make sure. Anelka, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course. Anelka, of course. Yes. Um. Graham Ricks. Yes, very good. Uh, Manu Petit. Yeah, you're doing well. You're on a roll, Harry. I think I'm out now. I think I'm you all sure? out now. You sure? <laughs> yeah, I think well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you who they were. 
because it will ruin okay. it for the audience when when we make an absolute you know fool of ourselves in about 10 15 minutes time but there you go did did george graham play for both he did he did there we go. okay that's it yeah i'm yeah. definitely out now <laughs> you got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen that's not a bad effort Okay, um, I can't tell, tell I can't tell you who they are, but I can think of at least one. Uh, I can think of one two that you will kick yourselves for, which I'm going to tell you when we go off air in a minute. Okay. In fact, I'll tell you all of them in a minute. But uh, until then, I'm going to say cheerio to you, you Harry. You've been nothing short of fantastic as always. Lovely to catch up with you. It's been far too long. Um, I would love to wish you luck on Saturday. I, I can never do that. Um, but I don't think you're going to need it, is all I'm going to say. Well, I wouldn't want you to wish me luck if you didn't mean it, and you're definitely <laughs> not going to mean it, so that's why I'm not going to wish you luck. But um, thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, really it, enjoyed it. It has indeed. That's Harry, the lovely Harry Simeon. You can find on Twitter, at Harry Simeon, and uh, the Chronicles of Guna, which is his podcast, is uh, at Chronicles underscore AFC. Brilliant stuff. Really enjoyed that. We will be back in a minute. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. So, welcome back to part three uh, of uh, the Chelsea Fancast preview show with me, Stanford Chidge, and uh, His Royal Highness, the Duke of, uh, of Jonathan Kidd. What were you going to say? The Duke of what? So the Duke of the Stratosphere. <laughs> you were trying to prevent me from going Duke, 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 Duke of. Duke. I really wasn't. I was trying to set you up, but I got it all wrong, and you've now done it. So everybody's well, happy. Nice to admit that. Thank you. Um, yes, Aloha. Aloha. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, who have we got? Who else have we got on? Uh, J.K. Uh, I think we all know. We've been listening to his wise words. The, uh, the some, some people might have fast forwarded the first two parts. Well, they've been foolish because they should go back because his knowledge... Now, all my friends will fast forward. Oh, God, Mark Meehan's one again. Now we'll fast forward. You've heard this in the pub. Have they heard, you've heard that before in the pub. Ah, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. You've got your, when you're in the pub, with you, you bring your soapbox with you. But uh, no, in the nicest possible way. Uh, yeah, Mark has been, been uh, as always, completely fluent about the, the situation, first of all, over the, uh, the ridiculous um, possibility of having a game on, on Christmas Eve and then on the, the strange... Um, discussion about the the ground uh, being once again where it's going to move to, which has been occupying the whole of uh, Twitter for the whole of the week, the social media. And of course, M- Mark is the man who knows because he does his research, as we've established. Um, but uh, it is, of course, Mark Meehan. Lovely, lovely. And uh, we had the lovely Harry Simeo on just now in part two with uh, with our opposition view. He's very good value is our Harry very good value probably the longest opposition view we've ever done but uh, worth its weight in gold right now it's our turn to preview the big match uh, tomorrow and as ever jk we start with my team selection i can't be bothered to do two and also the other thing is invariably is just changing one or two players so um my team for the chelsea arsenal match is as follows it is colwell left back silver uh, obviously Sanchez in goal, Colwell, Silva, Dizazi, if he's uh, recovered from injury. More of that in a minute. Gusto on the right. Uh, 
the what I think is uh, becoming our, our very good and solid midfield, which is Caicedo, Fernandez, and Gallagher. And I think, I think, um, I think Mudrick, Jackson, and Palmer. Obviously, you know Jackson's got to prove himself fit. But uh, I, what I might do, and I'll talk about this in a minute, is move Mudrick over to the right. Uh, instead of being on the left, I, sh- I mean Harry. Harry kind of intimated that that might be a good idea, as you just heard. But the questions about my team selection, injuries notwithstanding, J.K. are really this. Uh, well, actually, there's there's only two now because we know Brozier. Well, I mean, actually, I can I can ask the same question a different way. But Mudrick, Mudrick or Sterling, Gusto or Cucurella. And originally I said Jackson or Brozier, but of course Brozier's injured, and of course there's a chance that Jackson might be injured, which means there's a chance we won't have a fucking striker again. Well, if we don't have a striker, guess who will be playing? Sterling. Yay! Fucking wrong. And yet um, he's he's got to prove himself if he plays Sterling because he uh, he's only come good against the two lower teams, and um, and when he played at Fulham in that position, remember he came on and played, he was a bit. Um, out of his depth, but uh, he was fantastic against Burnley, and but he was fantastic against Luton. So um, he's got a lot to prove as Sterling uh, if he does get to play, and I think he will because in the presser, um, uh, Pochettino said that he had a knee problem, Jackson, um, and obviously that Broja was out. So uh, it's looking to me a lot like Christmas. No, it's looking to me as if um, um, if Jackson doesn't play, it'll be Sterling up front with Mudrick on the left. Otherwise, the the fantastic Palmer. I have such high hopes for him as a player. I mean, for goodness sake, you remember I said that about Morata, and he then just fell apart. But um, uh, Palmer really strikes me as the uh, the bee's knees. He's really he's got such good control and, and vision. I think that was a fantastic purchase. That's the only one I think they did well. I think Caicedo was obviously a fantastic purchase as well, but we've yet to see him completely boss it but I agree with you completely Chidge Fernandez Gallagher and Caicedo is a terrific midfield and uh, it can only get better and better and Colwell is finding himself really quite good at left back even though that's not very you know people are saying oh I'll give him a chance to you know, get playing his proper position but you know there are other teams that play very tall um, central defenders at full back and get away with it Newcastle being one of them um, Silva was immaculate uh, against Burnley, only Burnley. Sanchez, I'm just, it grows on me nonstop, I have to say. I think Sanchez is a, I think they spotted something there and he must have at Brighton. I'm presuming he fell out for a reason that wasn't to do with his goalkeeping abilities. Or it may be that he threw the ball out a couple of times and people intercepted it. But I think he's a, he's a, he's a top class goalie, very, very relaxed about coming out for the ball in a way that, um, um, Kepa never was, uh, and and poor old um, Mendy unfortunately uh, couldn't deal with the whole process of passing out from the back at all. Um, Dzarzi is is doing fantastically for me, um, but as you say, Chichi might be injured. Was that the was that the possibility yeah, that he's, he's got? The, I mean, I thought he's one of the doubts, isn't he? He's one of the doubts, like Jackson. He's a doubt, isn't he? Yeah. Well, in which case, would he play Badia Shield? I think Badia Shield's come back. Well, again, he? if 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 he's, I mean, he's if, been if training. He's, you know, there's he's a, been training. The, the, room, but, the um, rooms from the presser were that that there were about four players that he had doubts about, but yeah. they'd only just. I think you know you you've said this many times is that Poch is a real kind of if you're doing it on the training pitch, you've got a chance of being Completely. selected. He, he and if they'd only he, just finished training, so he had yeah, to have go yeah. and he'd go straight yeah. to the presser when what he wants to do is to assess it and then figure it yeah. out. Yeah. Now he himself said. Um, 
he, he well, I think he didn't choose, choose Mudrick the other day because uh, um, he, some people, other pet players were doing well on the training ground. He, 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 you're absolutely right. He mentions that every time. The training is so important for him. Um, so I think Gusto, Gusto did well for France, made his debut during the week, didn't he? So uh, I think we may be seeing Gusto. It's, it's such a shame that um, uh, Reese isn't fit, still isn't fit. I find that. So, and, and poor old Lavia has had a, an ankle injury now, hasn't he? So we're not looking, it looks as if we won't be seeing him until February well, or something. Brogia's was a training ground injury too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was a, 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 he had a tight what's it or whatever you get. He had um, a tight um, what's it? Yeah, tight, tight what's it, yes. Tight, tight like a what's it. <laughs> no, but I think he, he wasn't. What, what flavour what's it? were they? Cheesy yeah. what's it, obviously. <laughs> Cheesy. Well, no, I think, no, they, do I think they were arse flavour, weren't they? Arse flavour, yeah. <laughs> They, 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 they more flavors now. What's it? I think they do. Um, is it barbecue flavor? Yeah. What's it's now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does and that mean that's slightly, is that slightly burnt barbecue flavor? No, I don't, no, I don't think it's like burnt, but um, barbecue yeah, sauce, yeah, yeah, barbecue sauce. That's it, more like barbecue yeah, yeah. sauce, yeah, yeah. Um, but my, to, to sorry, get my story, just finish off. I, 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 that I fear that Jackson won't play and it'll be Sterling up there, in which case it'll be, it'll be those three. And I think it'll be that um, if Dizazi is injured and Badia Shield can't get in, I think um, uh, Cucurella will be playing there instead with Gusto at right back. Blimey, that's a call. I mean, one one thing Who that... Else Who else is there? No, I, well, Chaloba's injured still, so you're, you're absolutely yeah. right, yeah. I mean, the interesting thing... Well, you see, you could put Cucurella on the left and bring Colwell in. Yeah, yeah, and push him across. Yeah, yeah, okay. Good point, good point. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was very intrigued by what uh, Harry had to say about Zinchenko being the weak link for Arsenal. And I said to him, I said to him, oh, okay, so if we had somebody who had a lot of pace who could just go at him, would that be a good idea? And Harry said, absolutely. And I said, I said, annoyingly, if Zinchenko plays on the left, uh, we have Mudrik playing on the right. So maybe we should swap Mudrik and put him on the right. And uh, put Palmer on the left. Uh, I was assuming at that stage that Jackson would start, but uh, it may. I mean, you know, actually Sterling. I mean, Sterling played on the left instead of Mudrick against Burnley, didn't he? But he can play yeah. on the right. But I think it's imperative that we have somebody on the right who can have a reet goal at Zinchenko, because if if Harry's saying that, then I mean Harry knows his onions. Um, it's a shame for Cucurella because he's. Uh, I think he's done all right actually in the games that he's played, hasn't he? Other than the first half against Burnley, no, true he, enough. But he, he he's done okay. He's not been utterly yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't yeah. been completely shit. No. Yeah, but I still felt that the he was taken to the cleaners. The first goal, he appeared to mark air for the first goal. He didn't actually bother to, uh, you know, there was only one player the ball could have been passed to, and he was standing about five yards away from him. I know. Well, I thought Silver was a bit of cold ball for that too. Mark, have you got anything to say on the the Mudrick v Sterling, the Gusto v Cucurella? I I, I think. Sterling will definitely play. So if, if if it came down to it between Sterling and Mudrick, I think Pochettino starts with Sterling. He will do. Yeah. I think I think he will. Um, so I think Sterling will be on the right. It is about who is fit. Now, I think Gusto will play. I agree with you there. I think if there's any doubt about into the valley, I would I would agree. I would bring Colwell in beside Thiago Silva, and I would bring Cucurella in because he's had. By his history, three games in a row now where he's he's done better than probably most people expect to. He started badly in each of the three games, but by the second half, he was having good games in all three. 
Some of it he probably needed to be wound up or booked to achieve that, but nonetheless, he's done okay. <laughs> he's, done, he's done okay. He's done, he's done okay. okay. Yeah. He has. He has indeed. He hasn't let us down. He no. hasn't let us down. So I think it would be harsh, but if Gusto is the first choice when Reese James is injured, it's harsh and Cucurella. So if Into the Valley is injured, and I think he's been excellent for us this season, I would move Cole in because they haven't got a massive target man up front. Arsenal. They've got small guys up front. Yeah. So but they've got. They've got. Uh... Havertz, if he plays, he's a wonderful where, where, man. Where will they play? Number him? nine, okay. obviously. Well, what's his best position? I Number don't nine, think, everybody know. knows yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So I think it depends on fitness. If Desazi's fit, he plays, and Colwell's left. If he's not, I play Cucurella at left back. Mm. The midfield picks itself. Don't well, think with that. Yeah. It does, Mark, and I. I think the I said this to Harry. I. I, I think the match will be won and won or lost in the midfield. And it's quite it's quite a matchup. I mean, Connor Enzo and Moises, I think. Unless... Well, hang on, Mark. Hang on. I mean, Odegaard, Party, and Rice. I mean, that's mm. you know that's they've got a good. I mean, Odegaard is yeah. a hell of a player. We we would love to have had Rice here and Party, a questionable yeah. human being, but a very good footballer. Yep, very three good midfield players up against three good midfield players. So you're right. This is where it's going to get won and lost. But we don't change those three players. Unless injury or suspension, that's our midfield now. Unless you change it tactically, maybe away from home and play a different formation. But they are the three players that should form the base of our midfield for the best part of this season going And forward. And with Caicedo effectively as the six, Connor and uh, Enzo as two number eights, with Enzo being more deep lying and Connor more, more, uh, more forward. That, for me, is what works. Complete, completely agree. And then just up top tomorrow... I don't know how bad Jackson's you know, knock is, but I would always say if he's like 80%, it's better to start a player than bring him on Yeah, you know, if he's not 100%. I'd, I'd probably start him. And if he doesn't last the game, then change the formation or bring you know, bring bring a sub on. So I think your top three tomorrow will be Sterling on the right, uh, up there with Jackson and Palmer behind. Okay, interesting. Well, we all slightly differ, which I love. Mudrick, Mudrick will come off the bench at some point during the game. Yeah, which he did against Burnley, of course. He didn't start, yeah. did he? Um, yeah. What is, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many interesting things about this match, but the, what, the, the first thing we have to address is the fact that, you know, Chelsea have got, re, in recent history, a terrible, terrible record against the arse at home. We've lost, we've lost our last three matches at home against Arsenal we lost last year 1-0 uh, we lost 4-2 uh, the year before that and we lost 1-0 the year before that I mean that and that was one of the worst Arsenal sides I've seen in, in ages when Jorginho passed on the fucking ball but I mean we've net what did I call him I can't remember well Gareth I think that was actually the, that was the origination of Gareth wasn't it well on the fan cast yeah. yes yeah yeah that was it We've never lost before in Premier League in Premier League history because we all know that that's when football started. Um, the worst we've ever done before was in '97 when we lost two on the, on the spin to them, then drew and then lost. So but they the, were our, they were our bogey team because we did this on the 50 years. We did in that period in the '90s. <coughs> we couldn't beat Arsenal. We didn't we beat we didn't long, beat Arsenal yeah. from 1995. Back, back Hang on, Mark. Yeah. We didn't beat them from 1995 to 2005. I hated them for that. 
but I worked with I worked in Camden. I ate them as much. Yeah, yeah. I was surrounded by them. Well, yeah. quite absolutely. I mean, the thing is, Mark, we've got to turn this round, haven't we? I mean, it's got to be turned around because otherwise, time it becomes for, the real thing. Time for some Mr. Worrell glorious unpredictability from Chelsea Football Club tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, got, we we uh, yeah, we 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 got to do this tomorrow. This is really really important. You know, most people will have this down as uh, an Arsenal win tomorrow. We're playing well. But your tips as your pundit will probably all go for Arsenal. And years ago, this is the type of game we would just surprise people and just Chelsea would turn up and knock Arsenal off their perch, which you just love, love doing. And it wasn't just in the league back then. How many times did they bring our FA Cup season to an end? And even when we got to the final in 2002, bloody Ray Barla. So it actually took that that Champions League game, Wayne, Wayne Bridge. That always became that turning point. And then you had that drug of domination over them for many years as well. But the last few years, it's been poor against them. It's also been poor at Wembley in finals, in charity shields, the whole shebang. Yeah. We need to beat this lot. We do. I mean, JK, just to fill us with utter gloom, uh, Arsenal are, uh, you know, they've scored first in the last, in sorry, they've scored first in five of the last six meetings, which seems to be crucial. Um and if they win here again, they'll be the first side to secure four straight victories at Stamford Bridge. Here's a quick... Well, you know the answer because you've got the notes. But uh, it's unbelievable. It's a great quiz question, this. Since Watford achieved the feat in 1986, where did that come from? They weren't bad, though, Watford. They in were. That was uh, Luther Blissett, wasn't it? And John Barnes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But was yeah. That, the five one, that was at the 5-1 game, last game of the season, with Les Fridge in goal. Might have been, yeah. No, that was away. No, that was home. It was sure. last game of the, yeah, last game of the season. John Hollands was manager. He gave Les Fridge his debut, Gordon Jury his debut, and we got spanked by Watford 5-1. Jesus. I forgot all about that. Um, no, I remember it well, unfortunately. I thought you would, yeah. It's also... Sorry, JK. Sorry, I'm bringing it all back again. I apologise. They're also... Uh, they're buried all... it deep in your soul. They're also, uh, <laughs> they're also bidding to add a fourth away clean sheet this season. Uh, which is, uh, I think they've never done that before. This is Arsenal, obviously. Um, and uh, Ryan St- Sterling has failed to score in four personal league head-to-heads against Arsenal. Deary me. And here's a great stat. Chelsea's Pochettino has never lost a home Premier League head-to-head against Arsenal. He's won three and drawn three. But he lost a record the other day, didn't he, against another team he'd never lost against. Oh, before. brilliant. There you go. So that, that bollocks it right up. Here, here's a question for you both, really. But I'll, I'll, I'll go with you first, JK. Oh, how, God. How, how will Havertz and Georgine... I, I mean, Havertz will probably play. Jorginho will probably be on the bench, but may come on. How will Havertz and Jorginho be received by, the, by us lot, the Chelsea Sports? I, I don't think they'll be... Because they because they won the uh, the Champions League, I think they'll be given a a decent um, reception. I don't think it'll be uh, it'll be unanimous. But I don't think I can't see they did anything. Um, they didn't. They didn't. They weren't rats leaving a sinking ship. They were just you know that they it, it wasn't it wasn't working for them. Um, uh, no, I I think they'll be. I think I, I'd applaud them both. You know, I think they they. They they did well for the team. They just didn't do very well last year, and uh, Jorginho was was got rid of pretty early on because his his um, contract was running down. Uh, 
And Havertz, I think, never ever, as we've established, never ever played as well as he had done for was it Leverkusen. So, um, and, but I, I think he will always be rewarded for his scoring the the winner in the Champions League. So I think he'll be cheered. I don't. I wouldn't. He wouldn't be. Either of them wouldn't be booed. And if people boo, boo them, I would. I personally would say, can you stop that, please? It's not fair. Whereas there are some ex-Chelsea players, I'd be quite happy to boo myself. But um, uh, but no, I I, I I actually do. I think he played Jorginho from the beginning the other day, and he made a mistake, didn't he? And it wasn't in the um, in the win of a man. He, he gave a goal away against Spurs. Yeah, goal, yeah, against Spurs. That's right. But um, agent Jorginho strikes again. <laughs> yes, referring to that. But I'll be. I, I don't think. I don't think Havertz will start. I don't think he's been. Starting. I, I think he, Harry seems to think that he will. Really? I mean, it was Harry. Harry that asked this question of me. He was genuinely curious because he, you know, it just shows. Well, I think he was taking his information, and he did admit this rather stupidly from social media. He was seeing a lot of opprobrium on social media for for Havertz and Jorginho, and I and I said pretty much exactly what you said, which is well. Actually, Chelsea are usually incredibly generous to their ex-players. We, you know, I told them about when we were playing Fulham the other week and we were cheering William. You know, we are very generous with players that return to us when they've gone to another club, um, apart from if they've played for Spurs. Yeah, you know, that's a different thing. And he he laughed at that. But uh, I'm I'm with you. I don't think we will. Till Mark, what do you have to say about this? I wouldn't boo. No, well, I mean, I think none no, of us would no, boo Chelsea players. Why? Just don't do yeah. it. But you just, it was just don't do it. And, and again, but as I said, if they yeah. got to Spurs, it's a different matter. Yeah, yeah. But if if you think back down 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 to our recent history, other than sort of people that went to Spurs, and not not even everyone went to Spurs got booed. No, you think Ida Good Johnson went to Spurs, Carla Cudicini went to Spurs. They Jury, got, Jury booed. got booed. Jury, Jury, Jury. Oh, Jury. So, seen... did, so did Gallus. Gallus yeah. got. Uh, I've never seen anything like ever. I don't well, think ever. Well, been ha- Harry, Harry, and I mentioned Gallus in a different context, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And we laughed about the fact that Gallus is the only person in human history who's unified Arsenal, Spurs, and Chelsea fans. Chelsea fans. Yeah. All, in, all, then, all, all in agreement that the guy's a total Gareth. Yeah. And actually, and then, ha- Harry met him once and said yeah. he was loathsome. Yeah. And then in more recent times, the only other one was um, Courtois yeah. when we played Real Madrid. Other than that, yeah, there's always been a good reception. No, they're not going to get a Diego Costa type reception from the Wolves game last year, or as you say, the Willian example recently. But they'll, they'll obviously they'll always be many whose minds are driven by social media, and it's on there. People are going, "Oh, I'm going to boo Havertz, I'm going to boo Georgie. So there'll be a few, but they'll they'll be in the minority. I think the, the great majority of Chelsea fans, you know, will. You know, they weren't necessarily sort of like be jumping out of the sheet, but I think they'll show respect to both those players primarily. Clapped, won't they, Mark? Yeah, they will. Clapped. They will. Primarily, if you think about it, how can you boo the guy that won us the European Well, Cup? exactly that. Yeah, you got to be a bit thick. Yeah. yeah, and even if you don't like him, whatever, neither of them asked to leave. No. Nope. Chelsea, for whatever reason, and some of it might be strategic decision, a change of direction took that decision to sell both those players. Indeed. You know, um, they didn't ask to say, oh, I want to go, I want to go, go. Chelsea made that decision. And we don't know. As we've all said, we don't know what goes on behind that scene. But Chelsea made the decision to communicate to those two players. Neither of them at any point since they've left have come out and criticised the club in any shape no, or form. No. So they haven't given any reason to be criticised. No, they no. haven't made a stupid video and dyed their hair for time. No, exactly that. Um, changing tack slightly. I mean, you know, ultimately, JK, this is... This is second playing 11th in the league, which hurts. 
I mean, how, how far behind Arsenal are we at the moment and, and how much does that hurt? I personally don't think it hurts at all because I think we're um, we're going with the evolution of the team uh, and we're seeing progress. Uh, I must admit, when we were playing dreadfully it looked, and we thought there was the possibility of relegation, um, I think then um, you get so immersed in that you don't actually care who's what's happening in the rest of the league but now that we're slowly um we appear to be seeing a structure and as we've said the very fact that we're saying that is a terrific midfield let's keep it that's progress to me and the yeah. defense as yeah. well i just think we're lacking up front um but that simile is i you know i, I can't believe i'm saying hey, let's go with the process but i'm i'm not saying let's go with the process because we need to be an elite team because we are an elite side i just think that um uh, now that we're seeing the shoots, now we're seeing the uh, the growth, um, I will now start paying attention to the fact that uh, um, Arsenal and Spurs are in the top two. But I think, therefore, uh, if we can bring them down from their perch, uh, because we're the underdogs, that's to, to the that's to the good. I think I think we're in a we're in a good position now because they don't quite know how we're playing at the moment. And uh, if it if we get drubbed, then it's you know back to the drawing board. But um, uh, I'm seeing some some very decent progress, and I, I'm uh, I'm intrigued as to see what will happen if we do get stuffed. Where you go, all right, we've got a we've still got an even further way to go, but I don't think we're going to because the defence has been good, even in this period where we failed to score. The defence has been excellent, um, and now the midfield is clearly established. Caicedo is a top player. Fernandez appears to know where he's playing more now rather than forward. Um, and he's a big fighter, big fighter, Fernandez. Well, I'm impressed by him. And um, and Connor is running his socks off. Um, it's just a question of of scoring again. You know, we we scored four the other day. Let's see if we can uh, we can score a few more. Um, so I'm 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 intrigued by this this match because it will uh, it could be a kind of litmus test as to where we are. Yeah, totally. I so I, I have a lot of sense in that. I mean. I, Mark, I think pretty. I th- think I know what you're going to say because you and I are, 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 are as one with this. It, it, it hurts me deeply that that Arsenal get the better of us because I, I lived and worked in London for many many years. I knew so many Arsenal fans, and it was terrible that period between '95 and 2005. It was just awful, and equally, it was joyous the period afterwards where we humiliated them regularly. So it does hurt me that we are clearly behind them at the moment. But uh, I think J.K. made some really good points about that. There are there are green shoots, aren't there? Oh, J.K. was absolutely spot on. And I, I do like his description that tomorrow is a litmus test to see where we are. I think that's a really good analysis of the game. Uh, I don't think it hurts. I think it just more annoys me because they are annoying. Yeah. You know, if, if if you look at sort of like, and it's quite an interesting thing because I had this debate sometimes with my mates, um, especially during that period. The people, and even now, the people going away, oh, we ain't Tottenham, we ain't Tottenham. I was never bothered about Tottenham because they were rubbish. You know, they didn't beat us for how many, what, 24 years, whatever it was. And we were so obsessed with Tottenham, yet we smashed them, you know, at home and away for donkey shit. And yet we were getting turned over by Arsenal. So sort of saying, hang on, why don't we hate this lot? They're more annoying than Tottenham because Tottenham are a poor team. So, and actually, don't help. I bloody work with loads of them as well. And they and they are the type of supporters like down the years I've worked with supporters of many clubs, many sort of divisions in the pyramid. 
But that group just used to be, they would be the ones you know, who would be there on the Monday morning coming in to annoy you, where others might come and say, oh, I thought you were unlucky on Saturday, but Chelsea were the better team. They would just be giving it the big and 24-7 all the time. And then the first question you would say to them, oh, were you at Highbury? Oh, no, I don't go. But I, I just would ask them because I'm from North London. And it was almost like a fast show thing in the making. Um, Not a David Mitchell thought, football fan. Yeah, so you just sort of say, I don't, don't waste my time. He's not even going to the game. Just piss well, off I've always said, I've always described, yeah, they're yeah. like the Scousers of London. Mm. Always, yeah, <laughs> always going on about history, you know. Yeah. Most of their fans are plastic, you know. It's all that yeah. kind of thing, isn't it, you know. Yeah, yeah. bloody latte yeah. drinkers. Um, it's jealousy, really, isn't it? Let's be honest, it's jealousy. Mm. Because we've won the Champions League twice, and uh, and and they didn't think that he would we would ever become this club. They thought that they were happy with us. They were happy with us just being supposedly their inferior. And it's been so difficult for them to deal with the fact that actually we've we've taken over their place. Although Harry, suppose... Harry, sorry, Mark, Harry was saying yeah. that interestingly enough, you know, and and I mean this is the weird symbiosis I think between us, Arsenal, and Spurs in a way. Arsenal sports don't really hate us that much and I don't think we really hate them that much because both both of us are so preoccupied with hating Spurs in spite yeah, of what you were, in spite of what you were yeah. saying Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are, we are, we are obsessed with hating Spurs when they've been insignificant for many years. When to be fair Arsenal they are a good team they've had history etc and they always always been I know you don't get trophies with Champions League but they were always up until more recent times in the Champions League every season and they've got back into it this season. So they were a good side. They won trophies and they were always the team that seemed to stop us. And also, it was their support was more than anybody before we won the league. They were the ones that started that chant, have you ever seen Chelsea win the league? No, you ain't, or in black and white. Before Man United ever picked pick it up and did it. So they, they just there were many ways they were just annoying. You know, not QPR annoying. Yeah, QPR don't matter. But... <laughs> But it was so. I just, I'm not hurt by where we are. I'm not hurt, yeah, you know, where they are in the league and where they're. No, that don't bother me. I would just really want to put one over on yeah. them tomorrow, uh, because as I said, JK as well, it would be a good litmus test to see the progress Pochettino is making, even though it's quite early in the season. And again, it'd just be fun just to shut them up and the moaning afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I said, the Scousers of London. I mean, yeah. I, you know, it, I, I've, some of my favourite favourite moments as a Chelsea supporter have been humiliating Arsenal. I mean, when when I when I finally shuffle off this mortal coil, one of one of the images from my life that will flash before me is is the hilarity I enjoyed when we beat them six 0 and ruined uh, Wenger's thousandth match in charge. So, you know, be, beating Arsenal has given me more joy than many other things at Chelsea, I have to say. Um, I think the one thing that worries me about uh, tomorrow, of course, is the usual lottery of post-international break games. I mean, we were, we were, as you were saying, JK, we were, we were getting a bit of a head of steam. We've won three on the spin. We're beginning to look quite decent. The midfield's beginning to gel. Uh, the defence is looking very solid. There's some very... In, I mean, not that... OK, I should rephrase. I'm about to say we've got some really interesting stats, people, about this. And, of course, as we all know, <laughs> the rule, the rule oh, is... Gravy. The rule is that there is no such thing as an interesting stat. But... That notwithstanding, I nicked this off Twitter from somebody, can't for the life of me remember whom, sorry, but I think it's quite interesting because really it just proves that, yes, we can see that with our own eyes, but we have, we're, and this is in, in terms of where we're ranked in the Premier League table, we're, we're ranked fifth on expected goals, <laughs> uh, we're ranked third on expected goal assists, <laughs> Um 
which tells me that what we already know that we are actually creating a lot of chances but we can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo we are second in clean sheets we are 11th on shots jk will not be surprised we are 10th in shots on target jk will not be surprised but oh oh delight delight we are second in completed passes back to the goalkeeper uh we are we are first in passes completed against oh fancy that not fucking tackling uh, well and that's, that's this is proved by the fact we are in fact 15th in tackles and yet we are 10th in shot creation actions whatever they are uh as long as your right hand's not involved you'll be all right uh we are second in terms of possession uh we are fifth in terms of touches in the attacking third third in terms of touches in the attacking penalty area fourth in successful take-ons third in progressive carries and yet funnily enough we are ninth in goals scored but we are third in goals conceded so okay jokes aside we are creating stuff we're we're very solid defensively we still can't put the fucking goal on the back of the net and until we solve that problem we are not gonna i mean i think you, you said we were we were elite side jk I, we are an elite club but we are not an elite side and yes, we, yes, sorry, I, I apologise. No, no, no need to apologise, um, but uh, I, I think maybe that's where we are. So, you know, there are there are promising signs, but it's it's you've got to score the goal. You've got to score a goal, put the ball in the back of the net. Well, you, would, you would hope that because they've, they've scored four, that, that will, they'll be slightly more yeah, relaxed. But you see, that, that's why the international break is such a pisser, because it, mm. it interrupts that flow. It interrupts the momentum, yeah. It does, doesn't it? It's all rather frustrating, and this is a beautiful segue into uh, predictions land because it it does, I think, make it a lot harder because, you know, there there will be players that are tired. There will be players that are coming back from injury. You can say that about both sides. So I don't think, you know, before the break, I'd, I'd have said, you know, our tails are up. We've scored four goals. It's looking much better. I reckon we can we can win, and I would have gone for maybe uh, you know a two one. I think is probably what I'd go for. But now I'm like, well, I haven't got really got a Scooby because you don't quite know how either of these teams are going to come back from the international break. But I, I'm still going to go two one. Ever the optimist, J.K. Yes, yes. I I think I might I might just go for one one. Um. Uh. But yeah, I'd like to say two. <clears throat> um. So I'll, I'll possibly say 2-1, but I, oh, who knows, bloody hell, I don't know. I'd like my being positive. I think it'll be a draw, actually. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that, 1-1. One, one. As I said to Harry, I, I mean, Harry said 1-1. One, one. I, I would take that. I would take that. Mark? I think JK's probably right. It's got the makings of a draw, primarily because of like the international break. I think it stopped both teams' momentum. They'd have been confident as well going into a game having beaten Manchester City and where they are in the table. But the international break was probably impacted on both of them. So you're right, whoever sort of reacts the best to it coming forward. I think it'll be a draw, but I can't not go for a Chelsea win. Yeah. I just really, really want to beat them tomorrow. Yeah, so going you're gonna, for 2-1. You're gonna, yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. And hilariously yeah. brilliant. This is why I love Mixler. What a fucking brilliant thing it is. Uh, the, the person whom I nicked those stats from has revealed themselves on Pixel. <laughs> you can't get away with anything on this show. I love and it, 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 and Brozer eighty six on Mixler says it was me at CFC Johnny B. Fantastic, mate. I'm so sorry. I I need to write this down, don't I, and say 
you know, who I nick this from. But there you go. You need to do your research, Chidge. I know. Well, I do do my research. I just I don't, do. I just don't <laughs> do it very thoroughly, do I? But yeah. there you go. All right, listen. Um, now, uh, I, 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 largely because we were doing a pre-record, so therefore that made it work. But I gave uh, Harry the opportunity to test his knowledge in terms of they played for both, uh, which we are all quite enjoying since I kind of brought this to the show. Now, there are 34 players that have represented both Chelsea and Arsenal during their playing careers. Now, Harry got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 out of the 34. How are you two going to do? And you, this time, I haven't given you the notes. So, no, good. <laughs> no. I was hoping you wouldn't do that. No, no exactly. Just... I've, I've learned, JK. You were totally right. So, well, well, should, we, should we get the easy ones out of the way then? George no, I, 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 hang on a minute. Hang on. I, yeah. <laughs> let me let me just let me just do let me just do this properly so that I can yeah. tick them off. Otherwise, I'll yeah. be uh, yeah. I'll be uh, I'll be lost because there's quite a lot. So let me just clear yeah. what I ticked off for Harry, and get that there and get that there go so Jorginho and Havertz I think we can they're, they're gimmies aren't they really they're, 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 that's what I mean they're, they're the easy ones right let's have a think then um Gallus. Then William Gallus yeah. says Fabregas hang on you've got to go quite slowly because I can't oh, take right. him off Gallus what did you say Mark says Fabregas Chesk yeah Tommy Baldwin his name is Tommy Baldwin George uh, Graham yeah. Very good, JK. You're not not uh, looking on your phone, are you, JK? I, 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 Chidge, look, look here, look. You are looking uh, on ba, your ba, phone. Ba, ba, okay. Ba, ba. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. Thank you. Look here, Chidge. Look, look, there I am. Look, there's a little face. Um, Peter Check. Yeah. Ashley Cole. Well done. Well done. Nicholas Anelka. Well done. Excellent. Uh, Did Jim Barron play for Arsenal? No. No, no, just thinking. Played for Wolves. He played for Wolves. Yeah, yeah, just thinking goalkeepers. Yeah. Yeah. Other than Czech. Willian? Yep. Louise? Yeah. Louise? Yeah, yeah, Louise. What are we up to? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. We've got another yeah. thirty to go. But you've got another you've th- got some that uh, that Harry didn't get. Well, that's that's a, a, not much of a relief, but um... so, right, let's think back. Petit. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Rowcastle. Yeah, yes, JK. Yes, yes, Get in yes, there, yes. my son. Oh, yes, JK. Nice oh, Rocky, Rocky. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, gosh. Uh, God almighty. Uh, hmm. yeah, we've, we've done Gallus, haven't we? Yeah. I can't believe this. I, I have to say, at the moment, you're, you're, I'm, I'm not impressed with you. I'm, I would thought you'd be much no, better no, no, than No, no, come this. on, come on. No, give us time. Give There's us time. so many obvious oh, ones Oh, I know, here. I know, I know. But and recent is... obvious ones. No, 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 jump in. But again, it's like, it's like the quiz last week. You know, like now I know why me, me, and, me and Connor and Lisa won, mate. It's like a repeat no, of last no, week. No. 
no, 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 not at all. I said, like, you know, it's a bit like, like last week. You only had 10 seconds to answer, yeah. you know, and you're sort of thinking and thinking. And S- like, Smithy would have done this by now, Mark. No, he bloody wouldn't. No, no <laughs> way. He'd be, he'd be thinking like the, the rest of us. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. So recent. Oh, God almighty. Um, how recent? Well, very recent. No, it's obviously in the last year. So we've done, we've done Jorginho. Oh, fucking hell. Aubameyang. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Who was the last decent striker we had? Olivier Giroud. Well done. Oh, yes. God. Yes, of course. Oh, and I'm, I'm, I've got one now because I, I researched this with a quiz last week. The Yara. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Did Ben Ayoun play for them? Yes, JK. Oh, yes, JK. Oh, well done, oh, Google. Oh. Bloody hell, Oh, you bastard. <laughs> bastard, no. <laughs> I am screwing my brain up here to try and remember. And there are there are at least uh, one, oh, there's loads more. two, three, four, five, six, seven, Mark, that you of all people will be... Uh, Unbelievable. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going back. I'm going back. I'm going back. Is each sort of generation? Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Colin Pates. Yes. Now yeah. we're talking. Oh, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. John Ollins. Yes. Now he's yeah. cooking. Oh, he's cooking. Of course, of course. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. There's a left back. God, this, no, no, I think no, no, he didn't play for us. Right, I'm yeah, gonna, go on then. Yeah. You, you're giving up. You're timed out. I mean, you've already done yeah. better than Harry, so that's one thing. You, you just to recap, you got Tommy Baldwin, Petr Cech, William Gallus, George Graham, John Hollins, Colin Pates, Manu Petit, Rocky Rowcastle, Lasana Diara, Ashley Cole, Nicholas Anelka, Yossi Benayoun, David Luiz, Willian Fabregas. Giroud, Jorginho, Aubameyang, Havertz. So you've got 24, which is much better than... Uh, oh, okay, that many. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, now, yeah. I'm going to read the ones you didn't get and you're going you're gonna to shoot yourself. Oh, Cl- no, don't worry. Clive Allen. Yeah, he played for every London club virtually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, no, actually, he never played for Arsenal. No, he didn't play for them. He didn't play for Arsenal. Well, he signed for them and then he got transferred. Yes, yeah, so that's on not that Stewart's inquiry. Don't yeah, don't played. tell me. Tell Nathan and P- and Paul. Anyway, Clive Allen. Uh, then there's Joe Bradshaw. Any idea? No. Oh, Bill Dixon. No. Oh, come on, bloody elf. <laughs> right, Tommy Doherty. Oh yes, yeah, of yes, yes, of course. Yes, yes yeah. he did. He did. Yeah, he came from Arsenal. Yes. I cannot believe you didn't get Alan Hudson. Uh, yep. Oh, very. Yep, that's poor. Yeah. Poor. Poor Tommy Law- Tommy Lawton appears again. The... Uh, J.K. should have got that one. I should have because I remember watching him when he yeah. played for Notts County. Yeah, there yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Alexander McFarlane, no idea. Yeah. Peter Nicholas. Oh yeah, yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, John O'Rourke, nah. No, yeah, yeah, no, John O'Rourke. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, yes 1963. Yeah, I was born in '65, J.K. So I'm a slight, no excuse, slight no disadvantage. Uh, Graham Ricks. Ah, mm, yeah. 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 Uh, Jimmy Sharp. Mm, nope. nope. Bob Turnbull. Mm, nope. Alan Young. 
Mm. Yes, Alan Young was a centre half. Rarely, rarely played. Played a bit at the beginning of the Doherty setup. Was always in the pictures, but yeah. Didn't Alan, play Alan, Alan Young, Alan Young, Alan, Alan Young, Alan, 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 Alan Young, Alan, Alan Young. Uh, Stevie Sidwell, Chelsea's number nine. I was gonna, I was gonna say to you, who was the worst number nine Chelsea you've ever had? Belarus. No, well. Uh, yeah, that's that's also true. But anyway, Stevie Sibyl, uh Chelsea fan, but picked up with Arsenal when he was a youngster, according to Harry. And last but by no means least, Charlie Buchan. Oh yeah, did Charlie Buchan's football monthly? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think we did quite well. We only I said the... you did quite well. You got twenty four. Hudson, Ricks, and uh, uh, no, I meant in terms of of the top players we missed out because all those others are. You know, really rather ancient. We wouldn't have an idea of them. So uh, the one, the ones you should have got, was Hudson, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, Cl- yeah. Cl- Clive Allen, Clive, Hudson. Yeah, Peter, Clive Allen never played for Arsenal. Yeah, but I, 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 you would, I would have said it because I knew he was at Arsenal. So you, you yeah. should have got Clive Allen, Clive Allen, uh, Alan Hudson, Peter yeah, Nicholas, agreed. Graham Ricks, Steve yeah, Sidwell. Agreed. You should have no, got. I would have got. I would have got Sidwell. Okay, no. fair enough. Yeah, I want to get Sidwell. Not a bad effort. I'll, I'll give you that. Not a bad effort. So well done, you. I wonder how you. You can all play this at home, by the way. You can all play this at home. So there you go. Uh, there's been some interesting. Uh, uh, they are. They have all been playing it on Mixler, and they were getting ones that you weren't getting. But that's because they they're... got Alan Young. No, they didn't get Alan Young. Uh, they got. <laughs> uh, they got Stevie Sidwell. Rob good, Dog got good. Stevie Sidwell before before good. you lot did. Um, we didn't get Stevie Sidwell. Well, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Amari, if said, had he played for Villa, Chidge, I'd have said, yes, Villa, Stevie Sidwell. Amari Hutchinson. He did, yeah. Amari Hutchinson. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. there, didn't he? That's where we bought him. I don't, think he play, I don't think he played for Arsenal. I mean, he was no, out no, he did, no. of first-team yeah. football. And he yeah, hasn't... He, he didn't play for Arsenal, but he's played for us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There we go. Yeah. Well done. You've all done very well. Right. Um, all that. I mean, there is a couple of plugs before we finally let you all go and get some rest uh, before the big match tomorrow. And that, of course, first of all, uh, we should give a quick plug a uh, to the one. Oops, I say that and I've completely lost it. Where has it gone? Where's it gone? Yes. Chelsea Fancast on tour, JK. Uh Join Chidge and the gang on a long weekend in France. We can all get lost together. And uh, and Belgium, of course, where we can drink lots of Belgian beer to follow the story of Chelsea and the First World War. Now, Alex Churchill, who, who is brilliant, and Johnny Dyer and Andrew Holmes organised this tour to the First World War battlefields of Ypres and the Somme. Uh, Tony and I did it a few years back, and it was brilliant. Uh, she's planning another one for uh, 21st to the 24th of June, 2024. Um... It's a bit pricey, actually, I have to say. 650 Spondulix, um, but it is really well worth it because it's a great four days. Uh, I think that the, the, the brief highlights of it are it's very Chelsea-centric. It's all going to be Chelsea people there. Um, it's very much focused on uh, the story of footballers who fought in the First World War. And if you have your own family history, uh, these guys will research it and, and give you all the details and go to the place where perhaps where they're buried or where they fought. They did that for me. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, so other than the uh, exhausting uh, military yomp that they take you on for in the day, you then have a great time in the evening. We stay in lovely hotels in lovely French cities or, or Ypres, which is Ypres lovely, by the way, really is. Great food, fantastic beer, great crack with everybody involved. So I could not recommend this enough. And uh, me and Tony will be going, a few others too that you'll know and love. So uh, 
I commend it to you. And if you want to find more information about it, if you want more information about it, you can either go to the website, which is historiatravel.org, I-S-T-O-R-I-A, travel.org, or just email me at chelseafancast at gmail.com and I'll put you in touch with Alex and uh, hopefully we can get you to come along too. Uh, Now, much closer, uh, certainly to home and also in date, is this Sunday, Mark and J.K., the two key people behind this. What is happening this Sunday, Mark? Well, this player never played for Arsenal. Which is amazing, considering he had more clubs than Tiger Woods. <laughs> Indeed, he did. The Chelsea Fancast presents live, live, at, the tr- live, live at the Troubadour this Sunday afternoon, the one, the only, Mickey Thomas. And I, I can sort of safely say I'm really, really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a wonderful afternoon. I was very fortunate over the summer through Kelvin Barker. Uh, Mickey came down to London one weekend over the summer and Kelvin and I went out and had lunch with Mickey. It was an absolutely fantastic afternoon with yeah, an absolutely, not just with Chelsea, an actually great footballer for many football clubs with many, many, many stories. So if you haven't yet bought a ticket, there's still an opportunity to do so. I guarantee if you come along Sunday, you won't be disappointed. There'll be an opportunity to chat to Mickey, have a drink with him, get any stuff you want signed. He's up, he's up for doing that. And it'll just be a fun afternoon. He's without doubt, of all the ex-players that we've been privileged to get to know and, and meet, um, Nick, Mickey is, 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 is pure class. He's one of the best. I mean, he's been on the show before, millions of years ago, when we were at Putney Station. And he absolutely had us in stitches. He was hilarious. But he's a lovely bloke. If you get to know him, he's very friendly. So, you know, he, he's one of those that will talk to you and get to know you. And, and he's had his troubles recently. He was very, 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 very ill. And there was a, go, a GoFundMe uh, kind of crowdfunder to, to help him out because he was struggling with his health. But he's he's in much better form now, apart from when Kelvin and Mark almost killed him recently. But uh, <laughs> do you, you want to tell that story, Mark? Oh, oh, it was like when we went out for lunch that, that Sunday and um, it was an absolutely dreadful day in terms of weather. And the trouble is it's in central London because he was staying in town. He's trying to find a place that's normally open during the week, open on the Sunday. So we're walking around for what seemed like miles. We found this pub near the Houses of Parliament and we went in there for some lunch. And obviously because of Mickey's sort of health issues, um, he, he cuts up his food really small. So it's easy for him to, to, him to swallow it. And he was telling us a story and eating at the same time. But clearly, he's experienced enough to know what the solution would be. And he got a bit of food stuck in his throat. And like, you know, it was almost like a sort of small panic attack. And he literally, Kelvin was drinking Diet Coke and he grabbed Kelvin's Diet Coke and almost shook it and poured it down his throat. And obviously, the gas and the fears and obviously shaking up. Fears what was blocking um, his windpipe. Yeah. But it was like, there was like a couple of seconds where Kelvin and I were just like, was like, whoa, what, what, what's going on here? Because, you know, it, it was almost like a panic attack very briefly, but he knew what to do. And then he just, as he said, he's got a great sense of humour. He said, so that would have been good, guys. And I can't do a Welsh accent. Like, you know, you know, Chelsea fans kills Mickey Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, getting to do it Sunday, obviously people know obviously some of the stories um, about Mickey and obviously when he got attacked as well. And he tells the story about when he got attacked and when he rung up Joey Jones, what Joey Jones said to him. You're just crying with laughter when he gives his version of the event, bearing in mind what actually physically happened to him. Yeah, he's very... and, you've got to, and you've got to pay with proper £10 notes. No 
No funny money, please. Yeah, well, there we go. I mean, the tickets are 20 quid. Uh, there, there is a booking fee if you go via uh, ticketweb.uk. So go to ticketweb.uk and just punch in Chelsea Fancast or Mickey Thomas and you'll find it. The Troubadour Club is in Old Brompton Road, um, very near the Pembroke, I think, isn't it? The pub on the corner. That's correct. Uh, yeah. Quite often, I mean, I, I, JK and I will obviously be presenting and uh and, and leading it all off um and mickey well most of our guests have stayed behind for a few drinks after i myself will have to shoot home i'm afraid because i've got to get back to winchester but the pembroke uh, or even the garden if it's not shitting down with rain at uh at the troubadour that i mean we have to move out of the bit that we do it because they have gigs on at seven but yeah. uh, they've said you're welcome to go into the garden if you want but uh, if not the pembroke arms which is i have to say a bit of a shit pub but anyway so twi- the pembroke, pembroke's all right it's it's, it's cheaper than well it's next door. definitely cheaper yeah. but it is a bit of a shit pub anyway yeah. 20 quid uh, a ticket there will be tickets available on the door as well but if if you can let us know you're coming if, if you are going to come on the door as it were email us chelseafancast at gmail.com so that we can let the venue know because the numbers are limited uh there is a there is a cap on this so uh if we know you're coming then we can at least say yeah yeah there's plenty of room or whatever uh so and again, that... tomorrow tomorrow in terms of, you obviously mentioned csuk there is probably a, a chance because i think mickey hits town about three o'clock tomorrow afternoon i think there's a chance he might pop by the stall as well with kelvin so if people are around the stall before kickoff but probably about three three thirty mickey might be there right but okay. he's staying down in town tomorrow night i don't know what his plans are after the game but they might involve Mr. Bumpstead and Mr. Pates as well. Oh, yeah. I've messaged Colin and um, JB, and obviously they know Mickey's coming. They're going to pop along and see him. So we might have a drink after the game, but I don't know any plans yet. So it'll be a bit on the hoof after the game, but he's definitely staying over and he's up for going out. I better let Kerry know he's coming down too, hadn't I, really? I've no, I've let all the guys know. So Kerry knows, Tanner's right, knows, okay. um, no, so all, all the guys know he's he's there. Okay, yeah. good stuff. Well, yeah. there you go. I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to that mm-hmm. on Sunday. So there we go. Right, uh, we will be back on Monday for the main. Ch- oh, Mark. Oh, just one other oh. thing we should men- we should mention tomorrow. Um, important that people get in early, a little bit earlier. Uh, Eden Hazard flag tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, I was going to do our Ed and has a tribute. We'll do it on Monday and say we kind of yeah. had so much other things to talk about today. Right, we will be back on Monday for the main Chelsea Fancast show with me, JK, and the return of Mark Meehan for the second slice of the Mark Meehan sandwich. He's good, Mark Meehan. He is. I, I didn't really know him before tonight. He's, he's proved himself to be quite useful, hasn't he? Yeah, he's great. Back on. Get him back on, Chidge. I will. Well, we are. He's back on on Monday, JK. Your wish your wish is He didn't is know which command. player was in the Premier League Hall of Fame last Saturday, though. Yeah. Did we ever get the definitive answer for that? Well, the Premier League Hall of, Hall of Fame? Yeah. Was it Drogba? The answer, the answer is Drogba. Well, that's the answer we had. Yeah, the answer is Drogba. Yeah. That's the answer we gave. You said yeah, John no, Terry. I, I said John Terry first. I That's said John. I said yeah, her, you said John. But obviously, her, it's, it's obvious it's Drogba because obviously it was Black History Month, so it couldn't yeah, be John yeah. Terry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it would be a black player. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So we're all back. All three of us are back on Monday, half seven. Looking back at the match against the Arsenal. Uh, quick shout out for Patreon. Thank you for those who've joined us recently. Um, you're very lovely. If you haven't already, I'll be giving you your Discord link soon. Um, obviously all you have to do you bung us a few quid every month and I say thank you but I also I also will let you have a Kerry Dixon banner a little mini banner a replica of the one that's in the Matthew Harding upper and as I said you can join the Discord group which is great it's kind of like Mixler 24-7 really good people in there chatting all the time from all over the world 
It's a thing of beauty. Uh, right. The address is patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. So uh, sign up today. And of course, you have sent me a few emails this week. Uh, I have, I'm not sure if it warrants enough for an in off the post show next week with me and JK. If you pass the threshold, it will be done. Uh, and if you want your email, Patreon message, Instagram post, tweet, or whatever read out on the show, then let me have them by the end of the day on Sunday. And the email address is chelseafancast at gmail.com. You can follow the show on all the social media at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanfordshire, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, and Mark at Eddie Mac B A W A. So there you go. Mark, great to see you, my friend. As always, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow and on Sunday, of course. And Definitely, on Monday, bloody hell! And on Monday, you can't get. So you're the, you're the meat yeah. in the sandwich as well as the sandwich. No, de- de- definitely, definitely. <laughs> he's I'm the here, bread I'm, as well. I'm, I'm here. I'm here all week. You are. Do, you I'll are. do requests. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. Mark <laughs> me and mark me and there we go. Brilliant. Lovely to see you, mate. Well done. Thanks for stepping in tonight as well. It's very kind of you. Pleasure. Jk, great to see you, my little friend. Lovely to be on the show as always with yeah. the uh, the terrific Mark. Nice wow. to be back after a break. And yourself, Chidge, of course, who yeah. are a master of the airwaves. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm my my stomach might be the master of some certain airwaves later on. I'm still suffering a bit, but hopefully I'll hopefully I'll be better tomorrow and will not be hors de combat. I certainly hope not. Right, uh, you lot out there, you've been brilliant as always, particularly the people on Mixer. Love seeing your comments and interactions, and uh, we'll see you on Monday too. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.